welcome to Act Your Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Corinne. And I'm Tasia. And today we are wrapping up our massive summer binge, as we've been calling it, in which we talk about all the books in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J. Mass. We are here to talk about the last book in that series, A Court of Silver Flames. And we have a special guest with us today. You may know if you are at all on Book Talk, Kaven. Hey, Kaven. Hi, guys. Uh, thank you so much for, for allowing me to be on here. I really, really do appreciate it. And I hope that we're going to have a lot of fun talking about A Court of Silver Flames. I think we are going to have a lot of fun. Tell um, our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you came to like this series, and I guess how you came to be one of like the foremost people on Book Talk when it comes to the series. (laughs) Yeah, that's so weird to me. Um, (laughs) I've always been a reader, uh, but I kind of, I don't know, I don't really consider Akatar YA, but that's where I bought it from was the YA section. Um, And I got back into reading with Shadow and Bone. A Court of Thorns and Roses back in like 2018. And um, I just remember whenever I, (laughs) this is actually so funny. Um, Whenever I heard that the next book was going to be Nesta's, I posted a little video about like how I was like, damn, that sucks. (laughs) And it, and it got like 400 likes. And I'm like, what? Cause I'm a 30 year old woman, you know, I'm not on TikTok. Um, but then I just started kind of making my, um, cause I really, really, they're my comfort characters, the inner, inner circle and, and characters yeah. of these books. So I just started making little, like what would happen if they were baking cookies at the house? Like how would Cassian and Reese talk to each other? And I don't know, people just seem to like it. So I keep doing it. <laughs> I love that. And that's super perfect because last week on our Court of Frost and Starlight episode, we don't really like love that book, but one of our favorite parts is the Christmas scene where, mm-hmm. where Cassie and Vera put all the decorations and it's terrible. And like, that totally <laughs> is what all of your TikToks yes. are like. Uh, and so that, you know, it's super fun and super special. Um, and I'm really excited. We talked a little bit before we started recording about uh, kind of our differing opinions on Nesta. And we, <laughs> yeah. we have been like, like super Nesta supporters going through this podcast, knowing that she is kind of divisive. So we're interested to see how someone on like the flip side of it here. And then I think we've had um, some of our other friends who've come on the podcast with us aren't like super Nesta stands either, but I'm for, for the Nesta book. I'm really excited to, to dive in and, and talk about that with you here today. Mm-hmm. But before we get started, we always like to start uh, with our obsession section, things that we're obsessing over currently in our lives um, could be anything, books, shows, uh, movies, et cetera. Um, so Tasia, we'll start with you. What are you into these days? I really uh, only had time to read a couple of things, but the the standout has definitely been It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. Uh, Tessa Bailey is a pretty prolific romance, a contemporary romance writer. I've never gotten into her books really before, but I read It Happened One Summer because it was pitched to me as like Alexis from Schitt's Creek, basically as the heroine. And I was like, I'm there. So <laughs> I read it. It is so good. It is outrageously like hot like way hotter than I was expecting like I was te- I was messaging Corinne a few times like my jaw is on the floor like I think I had food in my mouth that I spit out at one point like it is something it is something <laughs> it really is something and it's funny we were talking about this book in particular Silver Flames before we recorded and I don't know how you feel Kevin, but 
I don't think like Sarah J. Mass is the best at writing sexy times generally, um, but this book I think is the best of it and it's super hot. But then I said to Tej, I was like, you know, I was rereading this after we read It Happened One Summer and honestly, like the BJ at the dining room table scene doesn't have the same appeal to me because we just read hotter oral at a dinner table scene and something else. (laughs) (laughs) If that gives you an idea of what It Happened One Summer is like. Those are very weirdly specific <laughs> interests that we've got here. Check it out on this on this young adult podcast here. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, as we've always caveated, we are not young adults ourselves. We are two adults talking about these things, so we're just really diving in today. I mean, these books sure. are called fairy porn, so like, let's not pretend right. what is going on here. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it happened one summer is, is very, very hot. The male lead is someone who like in real life, if anyone called me baby or honey, the amount this guy does, I would like slap them, but he can call <laughs> me whatever he wants. <laughs> like, I don't care. It's always the fictional man pass. I give fictional yeah. men and women, um, love interests, so many passes that in real life, absolutely right. not. <laughs> I think but. the same goes for like the bat boys and like every fae in any Sarah J. Mass book. I'm like, I wouldn't like this yes. possessiveness in real life, but any immortal in any book, I'm like, ew, yeah. but yeah. Wise, I'm like, <laughs> do it again. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So one thing I'm really into these days that I, it just came out, it's a book called Battle Royal by Lucy Parker, who is another romance writer and not nearly as steamy as Tessa Bailey, but I is had never read any of her stuff before. And she's also apparently quite prolific. And it is basically grumpy sunshine, enemies to lovers set on like a Great Bridge Bake Off type show. And these two rival bakers are both judges on the show, but they're also competing to design the wedding cake for this princess in England who's about to get married. And it just kind of knocked my socks off. If In terms of just like the low key swoon moments of it, like there is kind of some on the page steam, but like I would trade all that away in a heartbeat for just all of these like casual finger brushes and like hand on the small of her back. And just like, it was so swoony, kind of just, I was not expecting it and it just knocked my socks off. It was really, just really, really good. And I can't wait to read the rest of her, her backlist because yeah, it was just a delightful surprise to me. Um, like I've been opposite end of the spectrum though. I think I read both those books in the <laughs> same week and I was like, what do I like? I don't even know anymore, but I like all of these things. <laughs> How about you, Kevin? What are you into these days besides Akatar? Yeah, I actually agree with you. Um, I love the tension and the small like little, you know, Mr. Darcy handhold thing more than I actually like uh, explicit scenes, but to each their very own. Um, Right now I'm reading, I just got done rereading the Plated Prisoner series by uh, Raven, Raven Raven Kennedy, um, (laughs) which is one of my all-time favorite series. And then right now I'm beta reading for a friend. Um, Her name is at, uh, her name's Amber, but her TikTok handle is at Authora Amber. And she's writing this book called The Book of Azrael. And when I tell you the first two chapters um, have more going on than like half the books I've ever read in my life, like all the way through, this woman has blessed me. So right now I'm just kind of like all my text messages and all my time when I'm not at work are just blowing her up um, (laughs) that this is my favorite book ever. So yeah, that's what I'm obsessing over. Is it Azrael from Akatar Azrael? No, no. It's like the... I believe Azriel is like a god of death or something or an angel of death, like okay. in mythos or whatever. So it's kind of like a, a god's war type issue going on. But no, it's not Azriel, which whatever, I'm going to self-insert him anyways, but that's, <laughs> that's just what I'm going to do. 
we stand a god of death on this podcast. So like, yes, I like everything that you're saying. <laughs> we love the demon daddies over here. Sign me up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fictional, fictional men pass. Yeah. In real life, exactly. if the angel of death comes to me, I'm running as fast as I can, which is not very fast. Yeah. Um, but in <laughs> fiction, the god of death knocks on my door and I am inviting him in. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so. Totally, totally. Well, that sounds awesome. We'll have to keep an eye out for that as it, it comes out and we'll follow Amber on TikTok as well. But I guess on that note then, speaking of Azrael's and demon yeah. daddies and people that we would not be down with in real life, but obsess over in a fictional setting, let's start with a quick book summary of this this book. Um, as we always do, in case you haven't read it in a while and need a little bit of a refresher, I got this from bookrags.com. Don't know what that is. I don't think it's like a fundamental Christian website, like some of the other stories I've accidentally gotten uh, for this series. But anyway, uh, I did make some changes to it, but I always do like to cite my sources there. Uh, Tasia, you can read it. Yep. Cool. Ever since the war and her father's death, Nesta's life has spiraled out of control, drinking with abandon and sleeping with various males. She continues to live in the night court, but refuses to try to fit in and pushes everyone else away. When Nesta charges an expensive night on the town to her sister, Feyre, the inner circle decides it's time for some changes. Feyre decides that Nesta has two options, embrace a program of work, moderation, and training with Cassian, or return to the human lands. Knowing she would be ostracized in the human lands, Nesta moves to the House of Wind and begins to work in the subterranean library under the house. The library, which is heavily protected by magic, is home to females who have been brutalized in the world. Nessa soon, soon strikes up a friendship with a priestess named Gwen and an Illyrian female named Emery. Emery had been brutalized by her father. Nessa continues to train, continues to refuse to train under Cassian. When Nessa and Cassian strike a formal bargain in exchange for an hour of training, Nessa discovers that she feels better for the workout. She begins to embrace the training and believes other females could benefit as well. Gwen is the first to join the sessions, followed by Emery, then others. Nesta, Gwyn, and Emery become increasingly close and soon begin to embrace the ways of the Valkyrie, an ancient group of female warriors. Cassian and Azrael take the training session seriously, despite the fact that most Illyrian males are derisive of females. Through their training, Cassian and Nesta grow closer, and Cassian helps Nesta face her demons. Cassian and Azrael eventually set up an obstacle course that serves as a qualifying test for the blood rite, a tradition that pits Illyrian warriors against a mountain and against each other. Nesta, Emery, and Gwyn are kidnapped and dropped into the blood rite. They must fight their way out. Meanwhile, the land is on the brink of war, and members of the Night Court realize that three specific items could tip the balance. These items were made by the cauldron just as Nesta was made, and she sets out to find them. She locates the mask and the harp, but Briallan, one of the human queens made immortal by the cauldron in the court of Mist and Fury, has possession of the crown. Briallan uses the crown to try to force Cassian to kill Nesta, but Nesta's power destroy her. Nesta and Cassian are summoned to Feyre's house, where she is dying in the midst of an impossible childbirth. Nessa uses the power of the harp, crown, and mask and pledges to return her own power to the cauldron in return for Feyre's life. When powers intervene, Feyre and her child survive. Nessa retains some of her power. Nessa's selfless act heals her relationships, and Nessa and Cassian pledge their love to each other. As the novel comes to a close, Nessa knows that war is still looming. There are issues to be resolved, but she faces her past and pledges to embrace her life, including the pain. I realize now that that summary just kind of goes totally out of order. <laughs> it doesn't really make that sense, but we got the gist. It's fine. It still covers all the ground. It's fine. Yes. Um, side note, before we dive into the substance of this book, I don't know if I just like don't have the best reading comprehension for like details like geography or what, but every time I go back to reread this book, I'm shocked to find that the library is at the bottom of the House of Wind. I don't know where I thought it was. I thought it was like in town is somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, I thought it was like kind of isolated somewhere else. I did too. No. Surprises me. Yeah, (laughs) no, it's like, it's downstairs. Like she never leaves the house of wind really at all. And I was, I thought it was in Valera somewhere. I don't know where I thought. (laughs) That does make sense because she doesn't really leave the house. So I don't know why I thought she was like taking the subway to (laughs) the library, but whatever. Obviously I was reading for other reasons. Right. And I feel like in the other books too, she's like, she and Reese are like wandering town and then all of a sudden they're just like at the library. So I just, I don't know if it's Sarah's fault or if it's my fault, but anyway, that was just shocking to me. So I think that as we always do, we're going to go kind of character by character here. And I think like sometimes we talk about side characters just so we like get a chance to do them justice, but I feel like we'd be dancing around Nesta and Cassian if we didn't start with them. So I guess I'll start Mm -hmm. with Nesta here today. So as we've talked about, and if you've listened to all of our episodes, Tasia and I really do like Nesta and relate to her in a lot of ways. And um, I was really looking forward to this book and kind of to see how like the fandom discourse about her would change. And I also was just really interesting because it's a very, it was very clear to me, like how much she was struggling in A Court of Frost and Starlight. So I was kind of interested to see how Sarah made that work and how they, what seemed to me had to have been like a huge mental health journey, like how she would do with that. And like, by and large, it like really works for me, which I think is surprising for a writer who sometimes, despite how much I love her, doesn't have the best like nuance and subtlety to her writing. I don't know what had generally this, this journey that has to go sound work for you guys. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the mental health journey worked a lot, but I remember I was kind of apprehensive when I first read this book. Cause I was like, I know this is going to be a whole mental health journey and I wasn't sure if I necessarily trusted Sarah J. Mass to, to get me there in a, in a nuanced way, like you said, but I really feel like with a few exceptions uh, and stumbles along the way, I feel like uh, she really exceeded expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty proud of Sarah for it. Um, because again, not every book is written for every person. And obviously I knew this was not going to be a book written for me. So I right. was just kind of reading it as almost like a an on viewer because I don't really relate to Nesta. So I, I think that the way that Sarah writes mental health is interesting um, because so many people relate to it. So you can't really necessarily say it's wrong or right. But I think that the resolve was a little bit cloudy for me. Like I didn't really see the resolve that everybody else saw. I'm like, well, um, I saw it in some areas, but not, I think that she deserved, if she, if Nesta was going to get a book this big, I think she deserved more. I, I don't know how to explain that. I really don't. What do you mean by like, wh- what part of like the resolution for? Well, I just feel, like- I feel like it should have ended in a way where like maybe Nesta saw, I, I feel like I can explain it better if I like, rewrote the ending where like if Nesta saw Feyre and Reese with like Nyx and you know it was more of like an inner because I feel like Nesta's trauma really stemmed from like if we went down to like the to the root of it it stemmed from her feeling like she could never be a child and so Mm -hmm. like that kind of made her a little bit apprehensive and maybe a little too feisty and then everything accumulated on top of that but it started there you know because her mom Mm -hmm. was a Horrible. horrible woman and I think that her seeing Feyre maybe with the child and seeing Reese, especially with the child and knowing that her sister was happy and knowing that despite her and Reese's differences, that that child would never have to provide for them or never know a day of not being loved or never really have to be anything but a child. 
instead of them ending it at the father's grave. I thought that was so stupid. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm like, he's such a non-character. Like he didn't yeah. treat any of them correctly. Like just go to his, I don't know. I, yeah. I felt like the resolve there was a little bit bubbly and clouded, especially with Nesta and Feyre, because I do believe that the readers are the reason that these books exist. And I think that Feyre is the reason that these books became as big as they are. Face and is literally the reason that they blew up. Yeah. So I think that the readers were owed more with Nesta and Feyre's relationship, maybe more than Nesta and Feyre because they're not real. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And speaking on that, I actually, um, I think in terms of like Feyre and, and Reese being like the, really the catalyst for this book's popularity, I totally agree. And that's why I feel like kind of angry. I feel like Sarah sort of did them dirty mm. in this book because the way that like some of their behavior it's I feel like a lot of it is a bit of a retcon recent in, in particular, like the way that their, their relationship is, is so built on trust and so built on like mutual respect and, and autonomy and stuff. And I just, I feel as somebody who loves Resand, the fact that like, she makes me sort of almost hate him in this book. Mm. It feels like a betrayal of his character and Feyre too. One of the things we talked about in our court of frost and starlight episode is I just really wish that book didn't exist for a lot of reasons, mainly because I don't really <laughs> love Reese in it at all. And one of the big things I don't like is that he has this conversation with Pharaoh where he basically is like, Elaine's Elaine. I'm going to be nice to her, but like, fuck Nesta. Like, I don't like, she's Illyrian. We're like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I don't like get it. And so that, that part of the book is what really makes me uh, mad at, at Resand and, and, and how he, he treats Nesta. I have to say like, if I took away Frost and Starlight and I was trying to be really intentional in my rereading of this, like it's not quite as bad here. I mean, it is like, he definitely has some moments here where I get like super mad at him, but I think the moment I'm most mad at him is for that thing in Frost and Starlight. I'm less mad this time around too, about like the pregnancy stuff and like hiding that from Farah, mainly because I would think I was so blind and like shocked by it the first time I didn't really notice how much he was struggling. And I'm feeling a little kinder to him on reread just in terms of like, especially having reread them all right back in a row. Like it is kind of on brand for Reese to be like, I'm going to like shoulder this all myself and I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell the people I love about this. And so like, we talked a lot in our spoiler section that we did of every book going through here of like moments of Reese saying things to Farah that were like totally antithetical to what he ends up doing in this book. Like it's about sure. your choice. It's this. And I'm like, really? Like, come on. And that's what I think what Tasia is saying about Rockcon. So I do get <laughs> that. And I'm still like, I'm still mad about it. I guess I'm just like less mad about it than the Nesta stuff at this point. But I agree with you actually though, Kevin, about like the Nesta and Farah stuff and how for me, that is a really important foundational relationship. And I totally could have used more of that. And that was one of the things I thought mm-hmm. about going through this. There are really nice moments of reflection from Nesta about her and Feyre and how their relationship is different and how they're different from each other. At the same time, though, it's very deeply important to me that she says, I love you to Feyre first at the mm-hmm. end. I love that part of the ending. But I agree. That's like a really interesting way to think about it. I mean, I I will talk more about like some of the other trauma stuff that Nesta goes through and why it works for, I think, sounds like us more than you. But I agree. I could have used more of like the favorite yes. stuff because I, I liked it, what we did get. 
Yeah, I think I think my problem was again. I feel like this book was too long for there not to be both because Nesta does do a lot of reflection internally, um, and like almost zero verbally. Like there's almost zero application of change. It's just like I feel bad about this, uh, and then nothing. Like just nothing comes out, and I'm yeah. like, I'm shaking. I'm like Nesta. Like I want, I want to. Like I'm really putting myself out yeah. here right now. I want to appreciate you, but this book is too long for there not to be a duality going on of internal self-reflection and like application of that reflection. Because if someone's just thinking it in their head, the reader who's in the head with them can be like, oh, but everyone around them that lives like in the external of this character who is not in their head does not owe them the same kind of empathy or sympathy that we do because they're not hearing it. They're getting the cold shoulder. They're getting the insults. They're getting the um, the kind of agitated responses, whatever. And what's always, I think what's always kind of put me in a pickle is that people got really mad at Reese in A Court of Silver Flames. I did not. I thought he was like on his daddy mode the whole time because I feel like we put Nesta, maybe because it's in her book, but I've seen it before Akasif came out. Nesta's kind of like the center of the universe and she can treat people however she wants do whatever she wants because she's sad girl but like no one's response to that treatment is valid that doesn't make sense to me i'm like i'm married if someone if my husband's brother treated him like that you better believe you better believe i would not be nice to him i'd be like get out of my house you know so i think i relate to reese in that way does that make sense no it totally does and i think that's valid i will say though i i I do think one of the things Tasia and I have talked about, and I'm sure Tasia has more thoughts on this too, is like the only one really that I think Nesta owes anything to or an explanation to or to mend relationship with really is Feyre in a lot of ways. Sure. So I agree with I agree with that part. And I but I do think that they have those nice moments. You know, after you know, one of the big things in this book, right, is where Nesta tells Feyre what they've all been hiding from her, that she's likely to die during this pregnancy. And mm-hmm. Feyre immediately realizes that like Nesta was just drawing parallel between what they had were trying to do to Nesta and keeping things from her and doing that to Feyre. And, and Feyre immediately responds to it. But then the next time she sees Feyre in person, they have a mind speak moment where Nesta says, I'm sorry, I was acting out of anger. I shouldn't have done that. And Feyre says, I forgive you. So one of the other things related to that that we've talked about all along is that Feyre does have like a very deep understanding of Nesta Mm -hmm. and gives her more credit than really everyone else around her does. So I don't think that Nesta has to really like grovel at Feyre's feet to like repair that relationship. I think that's the issue here is that like, I agree, Kevin, that I think a lot of Nesta's quote unquote, like redemption here is internal. A lot of her, like her growth and her change and and stuff is all reflected internally. Not a lot of it is uh, expressed out loud. And I think the problem here is that on the flip side, what she does express is, is groveling. It's dropping to her knees and begging for forgiveness, which I also think is, is too far of a swing on the other side. Yeah, I thought that was weird. The Amarin thing. I was like, the Amarin what thing. are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> she doesn't need to sit and grovel to Amarin because first of all, Amarin is an asshole too. Yeah. Like, let's talk about that. Amarin is just as much of an asshole as Nessa I'm is. I'm still not even sure what their fight was 
And like, I, I think Amron had had valid criticisms of Nessa, Nessa using their friendship to like hide and, and, sure. and avoid her family and avoid these difficult conversations. Totally agree. But I also think Amron sitting around being like, oh, be careful when you fuck her. Like she doesn't turn you in. Like Amron's just kind of a dick, which is fine. Mm-hmm. That's that's who Amron is. But like, I don't think she needs to be groveled to. I think they had a fucking spat, you know, talk about it. I don't think that anybody needs to be groveled to anyone. I think yeah. that um, apologies um, are not n- like the same way that Nesta doesn't owe anyone else um, apology or good manners. No one owes Nesta that either. So yeah. like if we got to keep like the same energy with it's like when Reese is being a dick to her. So Nesta's a dick yeah. to Reese. Like that's just we, who they are. Hey, Corinne and I have talked about this too. We're like, it would be so fun if it was just like Nesta and Reese at each other's throats because they are like the, the, cranky in-laws, you know, like right. that, that's a fun dynamic. And I actually hope that that's a dynamic that we get to see going forward since know. they've kind of made up. I want like that sitcom in-law energy. Yeah. I put that in my videos a lot. I'm like, Sarah, pay attention. Like, this is what we need because <laughs> they both have, they both have like quick tongues and like them right. going back and forth as snarky in-laws would be funny. But I just think, I don't think that Nesta groveled should grovel to anyone. In fact, I was like very uncomfortable. That was very like cringy for me. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. I don't like this. Like I wanted Nesta to apologize, but this is going a little bit like, yeah, it's too much of a swing in the other direction. Yeah. I'm like, who are you? You just like tell uh, Farah, your sister for life, whom you've done way more damage to. Sorry. In your head. And then you go over to Amarin and you're like, I'm like, who are you? you?" Yeah. In a similar way, I don't like how at the, I I, I love the idea of Reese just like constantly bestowing gifts upon Nesta forever. Like that's very endearing to me. It fits for Reese. I, I like the symbolism of him, him falling to his knees because we know what that means based on like his tattoos and like from the main trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I understand his impulse to do it, but like that for me is not how I wanted their relationship to work out. Like, I don't want him to just like, like Nesta because she saved Feyre and him and Nyx. Yeah. I want them to like have an appreciation and understanding of each other that isn't based on him feeling like he owes her. And I don't know that we got that. Yeah. Yes. We do know from Nesta, and she thinks about it a lot, too. She thinks about Reese and, like, says, like, he might be an arrogant, vain bastard, but he was honorable. He fought, like, hell to protect innocence. Her dislike of him had nothing to do with what he'd proved so many times, that he was fair, just ruler. He put his people before himself. No, she just found his personality, that slick smugness grating. And so, like, we know that she kind of, she has a lot of other things going on, which is why she, like, lashes out at everyone, including Reese. But she, like, knows and understands, like, who he is. I would like maybe some acknowledgement from Reese on that front too, that like he gets it too and that he appreciates the journey that she went on in this book. I'm not sure if we're going to ever going to get it. And quite frankly, with how Sarah writes his POV, I don't know that I ever want it necessarily. But like, <laughs> Sure. Valid. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe just to like have some acknowledgement from him, like that she is better. Like we get that moment where he like tells Nesta like you are to treat Gwen with kindness and Cassian's like will you like back off like why can't you just for once give her the benefit of the doubt and the reason that moment has the the good sense to actually kind of seem like oh shit like maybe I I am overstepping here a little bit so I would just like one more moment from Reese someday to be like okay I get Nesta's been through shit and we're gonna like put it behind it and I see the effort that she's making not just like groveling gratitude I don't know yeah I, I agree. I don't, 
that's why I said if it ended in a different way where maybe Nesta was seeing Reese with their son that she played a part in, you know, saving, I think that there would, there could be this moment where the reader at least gets a sense of appreciation. Like, Hey, we're never going to see eye to eye. We're we're never going to like be like best of buds. Like we're too, we're, we're too hard headed for that. Um, and Mm -hmm. two different, completely different ways, but there's like such an appreciation of like, you might not show it Nesta, but like you, you do love fiercely and you would put yourself on the line for family. And like Nesta can look at him and be like, that's the kind of father and mother that like we all deserve that Mm -hmm. we all deserved and we didn't get. And I think that her just like realizing that too, I don't know. I feel like just taking it back to like the home root, like the seed that like sprouted into all of her, like um, all of her troubles and woes would have been a much cleaner exit to me than, than what it was. I just felt kind of lackluster. I felt a little dissatisfied. I was like, I didn't really appreciate some parts in the journey anyways. So like the ending being so like, like you said, just like Reese falling to his knees, which was awesome, but like also a little dramatic. I'm like, well, this can't just cover all the ground. Like there's too much, like there needs to be Mm -hmm. more. But I don't know. And I don't think we're going to get it. But what I'm hoping is that now that their relationship has been repaired enough to like allow growth from there, that we'll be able to see that. I I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're just going to be fine now forever. Yeah. It's going to be like off screen. Yeah. I would like this to be like a jumping off point for them to actually start to communicate and like form a relationship of their own. One thing you did mention came in in the beginning of that, that I want to circle back to is all the stuff with Nesta's dad, because like, I think that's one of the more like complicated elements of Nesta's trauma. And I think maybe the element that Sarah doesn't totally flesh out as well as I like would have wanted her to, I mean, Mm -hmm. I told, I I think it's very interesting and very compelling to like, look at a father daughter relationship like Nesta's and her father's because it like no, no parent, not every parent relationship is like perfect. And that's very frustrating and upsetting for like so many people, but like their, their relationship was so complicated and was so fraught. And like, I don't, I don't love how much Nesta's healing with regards to that has to do with her forgiving her herself for her self-imposed blame for her father's death. Mm-hmm. So I guess I do agree with like what you're saying. It's like, there's not as much of her like internalizing and like working through like what her mom did and like yeah, what thinking. started this. Yeah. Right. It's more of like the here and the now. And I'm like, no, let's go back. Like yeah. there's a lot yeah. of ground to cover here. Yeah. But- and I never had actually like thought about it in that, in that way, but you're right. And I think that's kind of my problem with, I love so much about this book, but there's this whole sense of like Nesta feeling like she has to forgive herself that makes me uncomfortable because I don't think she does. I think she has demons to work through, but her, this whole idea that like, she needs to like do all this stuff to deserve love, to deserve Cassian's love takes away a a little bit for me from the journey she goes through. And and Tasia and I talked about this in some of our previous episodes, this idea that Nesta like really needs a huge redemption arc is not appealing to us because the mental health stuff the idea of watching your father die in front of you, going through this horrible war, having your autonomy stripped away and being changed into Fae against your will, going through all of that is so compelling on its own. I don't need her to like feel like really is this like I'm just like so bad and awful. And I understand that people like 
have those feelings about themselves, but like, that's an element of the story that like, I don't need. So at the end, like one of the last chapters thinking about like, I'm going to work really hard to like deserve all their love. I'm like, no, everyone deserves love. And just because you are who you are, it doesn't mean you you don't deserve it. Like, yeah, yeah you can be nicer to people, but like, that's, that's what I was about to say. It's like, she should have like internally thought I'm going to work really hard to not treat these people like shit. Because yeah. I love them and they love me. Maybe maybe right. me and Reese are a little rocky, but like. Yeah, like I'm still working on like, it's okay that she, and I feel like I'm not, I don't mean to discount like her feelings of like how she doesn't think that she's worthy of love because obviously that's a big part of her journey. But there's just something about how it like plays out in the end of like, that's her takeaway is like, I'm going to try to be better. Not even so much for me. And she, yeah, of course she does decide to do it for her. Right. Like the mother tells her like, then live Nessa Archer on like, accept the good, accept the bad. I just don't like how it has to go hand in hand with this whole like idea of making amends. And I have to like please everyone else around. Yeah. Me. I also feel like it's a contradiction in there too, because after their big mountain hike, uh, Cassian's like, you don't, <laughs> you don't need to change anything. Like there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to work through your shit. Uh, you don't need to be like a, a soft client person. You can be sharp. I like that. Which is so important to me also right? as the co-president of the hot mean girl fan club, me and Tasia are right. the presidents of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, yes, yes, I love this. And then at the end for her to still have seemed to put that away. Like I, yeah. I want Nessa to still be a sharp person. I want her to, to still be herself. And at the end, she's just like, Skipping away from her father's grave, yeah. happy. Like, it's yeah. weird. And she's, like, planning a wedding. I'm like, who are you? Again, yeah. who are you? But, too, uh, that kind of, like, circles back to what I was saying earlier about the self-reflection over, it was, like, overshadowing everything else. And I think that if there was more application of actual conversations about said internal thoughts, there would be a lot of, like, discourse and a lot of, like, no, like, it's not about that. It's just, like, your treatment of people will directly affect people's treatment of you. And like, if you can treat people this way and still love them, then you can know that like when someone's giving you it right back, like, you know, dishing what you're serving, that there's still love there and that you're still worthy of it. But like, if you're going to be an asshole, people might treat you like an asshole. And like, that's just, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter any, like, if you're going to treat people like that, you cannot expect everybody to walk on eggshells around you and be like, no, someone treats me like shit. I'm going to mirror it. I'm going to be like, I don't, okay, get out of here. So I think that if there was like a lot of this self-reflection of like, oh, I don't deserve love. And I'm like, Nesta, (laughs) just go and have these conversations. Like whatever her and Cassian actually spoke about it, Cassian told her, that's not what this is about at all. Right. It's just like, you have some things to work through. And I wish there was more conversations with more people. That's a really good way to put it, Kevin, because like I'm, I'm very harsh on Feyre. She's not my favorite mm-hmm. character. I don't know if if you've read Throne of Glass. I much prefer Aelin. Like, she's just like, she's kind of messed alike in a lot of ways, honestly. Mm-hmm. She's a lot more um, just like proactive and like, it's kind of like Nessa on this book, right? Like, she like actually fights and like saves the day. And Feyre is like a yeah. softer heroine. And sometimes she bothers me a lot of ways. But one of the things I've consistently given her credit for, and we've given her credit for on this podcast throughout the book, is her understanding of Nesta. Yeah. So if they had had that conversation, I I guess I didn't even realize how much I was missing that until you kind of pointed Mm -hmm. that out here, because I think you're right. It probably would have done away with like Nessa's feelings of like having to like genuflect and like just totally like grovel in the same way. Right. 
Because I think you're right. Farah would be someone who could put Nesta in her place. And we do see it in those moments in this book too, where like, again, she thinks mm-hmm. she's not really mad at Nesta for how, for, for telling her about the baby situation. I think that could have been a great way to like show the growth and take away some of those kind of icky feelings of like self-worth that I yes. love. And, and, and I think Nesta does need to hear that from Farah. That's really interesting. I never really thought of it that yeah, way. It's like the one person out of the entire place really that would, I think, um, merit a, uh, an apology from Nesta. I think that Farah deserved like an actual apology and a conversation. But um, with that being like the only person that even Nesta could probably justifiably think like, yeah, I did this person pretty wrong. I need to like apologize. And then she could like maybe even unload all that like self-reflection and Farrah could just be like, what? Like, hold yeah, on. Saying too many That's things not here. what this is about. And yeah. I think that Nesta hearing that from Farrah, the person who she really thinks like, and she did, in my opinion, did wrong um, saying like, no, like Nesta, I love you. Like there's nothing like, you know, yeah. come hell or high water. That's not what this is about. It's just about an understanding. Like, I understand you. Like, I want that, yeah. that back. We do get nice moments of that too, but it's like subtle and like Nesta has to extract yeah. it from it. Like how Farah makes Nesta's room exactly mm-hmm. like what Nesta would want. But then at mm-hmm. the same time, we get things like Farah doesn't have a portrait of Nesta in the house. I'm like, really, Farah? Put a portrait <laughs> of Nesta up. Like, it's not that hard things to do. So it's like, some. this is what I talk about when we say like, and I think Tasia was referencing it too, when she talks about retconning Farah and Reese. I'm like, Sarah, you have told me how much Farah does understand Nesta. Like, she's going to be pissed that there's not a portrait of her hanging up like yeah. that. She's going to take that personally. Just like put her up on the wall. My head, my head cannon is that she did. And that Reese took it down because I think that'd be funny. <laughs> he like hid it in the closet or something just to be petty. I love that. I love I that like for that her. Too. That That's is fucking cannon. hilarious. I, w- I want that scene um, of like right. putting it up next... and then like every day, yes. like it, it moves and like, hides it in the Nesta, closet, like stumbling upon it in the closet. Like what the hell is this? And Reese is like, That's Oh, I never so put that funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I, I do think though, one of the things I guess I want to circle back to, cause I feel like we kind of did find some common grounds and like, on like the, on the trajectory of Nesta through this sure. book and how it ends. One of my biggest issues still though, is like kind of, the jumping off point for this book, which is the intervention and just like how it's, it's written in terms of like Nesta's behavior and like how that's like a horrible failure and how that's equated with her being a terrible person. Because like the slut shaming just is really very bothersome to me. Props to Cassian for being the only one in that intervention. Who's like, your behavior isn't a moral failing, which is so true. I just like have such a hard time with like, the equivalency of the fact that Nesta is drinking a ton and sleeping around makes her a bad person. Like it just really is very bothersome to me. I said this in the last episode, like how lucky and privileged people must be to have never made like bad decisions sexually or like for their own health when they're in a dark place. And so like that part of it still just really, it makes me mad. Okay. Okay. I can hear it. I can hear you seething over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, that and like the intervention itself, I just, I think it's really bad form for an intervention okay. to include people that like actively don't like the person there because mm-hmm. an intervention, like you're, you're trying, you're, you're doing this thing, which is just on paper already an awkward, uncomfortable situation. Um, right. You're putting this person on the spot. They're already going to have their their hackles up, their defenses up. 
And then you're filling that room with people that don't like that person, that actively, openly dislike that person. It is starting, like, if, if there was ever a world in which Nesta would be open to this intervention, which I don't necessarily think there would be, but if there ever was a chance that Nesta was going to be open to this intervention, it died when when Reese and Amron were there. Because, mm-hmm. and and they they started it off, like, going on the attack on on, on Nesta. And Feyre scolded them for it, was like, shut up or get out, you know, but they, they shouldn't have been there in the first place. They really yeah. shouldn't have. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like almost the opposite way. I feel, first of all, I know that it's an intervention to us, but I don't think that there was any psychologists in the room. I don't think they were like, yeah. okay, we're going to plan this intervention and it's going to be completely like therapeutic and cathartic. And we're going to go about this the right way. Cause they're not, they're not psychologists. They're like war generals and torture masters True. and um, the high Lord of a night court that literally has bat wings. So it's like, for me, I feel like, so this is where I have to tread carefully with, with some, because it's like so much about the mental health that I feel like we um, view it under this like myopic lens of real life, whenever it's still a fantasy novel, like it's still not real. Yeah. And I think that people always forget, which I did laugh in the notes whenever it's like, y'all have Bezos money. Like, why are y'all freaking out? <laughs> um, I actually laughed. Asia. I was like, true. But <laughs> at the same time, I don't think it was like the, I think it was the principle of like, cause even we even get the the tidbit of Nesta's point of view where she like, she did it to be disrespectful. She was like, I hope they see the tab. Like they're gonna see the tab. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, it was more of like a jab than it was like, oh no, our money's gone. But two, I think that with, with Nesta, it wasn't just like sad girl that was sleeping around and drinking a lot. I've done that myself. I wish someone pulled me out of it and slapped me in the face, but whatever, had to get through it myself. I, I think it was more that like Nesta completely did not give a shit about Reese's authority. And a lot of people think that that doesn't matter. I disagree. I think it's a fantasy novel. And if you're living in someone's court, you respect them. Like at least their authority. So if she's constantly doing everything but that, Reese has a reason to be mad and I believe it's valid. Two, she has like this power that they in a court of uh, wings and ruin equate to death. Like they're literally like, I think she took death from the cauldron. Like at, far be it from me to know what it really is, Ferris says, but like, and then it's death. So it's like this woman that's not only spiraling, which is already kind of like sad, but I think it could have been like maybe put by the wayside, maybe not for Farah, but for the rest of the gang, like, okay, let her spiral. Um, but it was like, no, she has an unchecked cauldron like power and she does not respect anyone here. That's scary. Um, if I was race, I would have like just picked her up and dropped her off somewhere else. Cause I, I don't, I know everybody's like, that's so mean. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's my court. It's my court. Like it's the same thing in my house. Like you're going to come in here. You're going to respect how my husband and I live or you're going to live somewhere else. Like that's just that. Um, so I think that sometimes it's not just about like where Nesta was mentally. It was about the fact that she had this like curdling death power at her fingertips that she refused to train, that she refused to really even acknowledge, um, and that she actively disrespected those in charge. And Reese had put himself through sexual assault for 50 years and torture just to keep these people safe. Far be it from Reese to now let someone walk around and do whatever the hell they want in his court. That's not in Reese's character at all. I thought it fit Reese's character to be like, you can get, stay here and do what I say, or you can leave. Like I've done everything to protect these people. Your bad attitude and your sadness is not enough. It's not a crux enough for me to, to bend my authority. Yeah. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I totally agree with you. 
if we saw any of that from Reese, because my issue is I think all we see from Reese is that Nesta's mean to Farah, and therefore I'm going to see, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, I, don't know. Yeah. I guess it's, it's subjective to reader because a lot of people yeah, will say right. things about Nesta and I'm like, when did we see that? Right. But yeah. I, I, that's kind of how I, I, I just don't think that we get that level of introspection from Reese. And I do think that that is, and you know, we're not in his POV at all. So like we are doing right. a lot of guesswork here. Um, maybe he is thinking that, but based on what we got in Frost and Starlight, I don't, I think he just like, is like, he, I'm not, he literally says in that, I'm not going to forgive anyone who's caused you pain. And so it's like, yeah. unless they have a political use unless for they're me. Lucian and I have a political use for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I, I, I do, I totally see that. Although I guess my counter to that is like, he's like, doesn't enforce rank. Like that's one of the reasons like we love him about like the inner circle. So like, I, I don't know that I feel like he would care that she's not like respecting his authority as the like Cassian does Cassian's like don't talk about my high lord that way but I don't think like Reese cares necessarily so like I just I'm left reading the beginning of that book of this book as like Nesta has done nothing wrong in fact the last thing she did and Farrah does say this to her credit in Frost and Star like she killed the king of Hyburn. And then this is me, not Farrah saying this, but like she saved Cassian. Like she was willing to die for Cassian. And now all she's doing is 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 sleeping around and self-destructing. And, and that is makes her a bad person. I, I think it's a totally valid point that they would be concerned about her death power. And we get that more later in the book. I just don't think we got enough of it at the beginning. It just put me in a bad footing with all of these characters. Oh, no, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's about, to, because as a reader for me, I have been waiting for someone to put Nesta, like give Nesta exactly what Nesta's giving. And I felt like on book talk too, it was like, I, and I'm like actually kind of interested. It's like, cause y'all aren't basically saying this, but I've heard this a lot too. I'm like, why does everyone like kind of have to pussyfoot around Nesta and her feelings? Like really? Um, because when they finally say something, and sometimes they're talking, like Moore's talking to Cassian, her bestie, Farah uh, and Reese are talking to each other, their spouses, and it's like, only sometimes they say these things to Nesta, and it's like, wh wh why not? Why wouldn't they be allowed to? Like, why do people get mad at them? Nesta is awful to them. Like, she yeah. treats them like shit all the time. So I just don't understand why it's like the energy is given back on the yeah. IC. It's like, no, I think they should all be able to talk shit to each other. Yeah. Like, I think, I think so too, but I do think I take really big issue. I don't, I don't know how you, you will, we can talk about more. I don't like love more. I'm not a big fan of more, but like, like she basically equates Nesta to her father who basically like left her for dead and stabbed, like shot arrows into her stomach and left her for dead for having the audacity to sleep with Cassian. And she basically implies that Nesta is just as bad of a person. And I, I've met a lot of people like you and you don't deserve the love that Cassian is offering for you. That is such a false equivalency. So like, I agree. They don't have to like tiptoe around her, but to compare Nesta to cure <laughs> like come on like i don't know that is she, what has she ever done to merit that same type of i think that nesta was awful i think that i don't know that sjm like in the beginning had a real plan for nesta or elaine i'm just going to be completely honest yeah, no. um i think she did the same thing with tamlin i think it was going to be like a love triangle and she switched gears like in the final hour um i think that like and, and like whenever you say slut shaming, like Nesta sh slut shamed Feyre like all the time in the first book. So I'm like, she gives it, she just can't take it. And like readers, like 
literally are like, no, not Nesta. And I'm like, no, Nesta's a bitch. Like if she's going to be a bitch, people are allowed yeah. to be bitches back to her. And I would like that. I would like it if it was less woe as me and, and more like, okay, like I'm Nesta, yeah. like come at me. I'll freaking like give it back to you. I'll give you that combo right back. Yeah. But for me, it was more like written in this way of like, see how everyone's mean in Nesta. And I'm like, yeah, I certainly would be. And if my best friend was like going after her, I'd be like, get yeah. out of here. Because that's the kind of best friend I am. If I had a conversation with her, maybe different, but just, I don't know. I just feel like there's such a weird, like for me, I just feel like there's a weird, like, like Nesta gets all these passes and then everybody else is like held to this, like strong degree of like morality and I'm like no that's funny I feel like (laughs) I feel totally the opposite because I feel like Nesta is held to like you know everybody it's fandom wide especially there's like just a lot of like Nesta hatred going on but like characters like Amrin who Amrin's a dick like just on page I don't like Amrin to everyone And she's not interesting either. So right. like, like what the sure. fuck is her use? Like, yeah. oh, she did that one thing one time, but like everybody yeah. still acts like she's the most terrifying again? creature in the world. And the same with more, by the way, <laughs> like what the fuck can you even do? Like, I think at one point Cassian's like, oh yeah, if more could participate in the blood, right. She'd win it in five minutes. And I'm like, show me, <laughs> show me this yeah. power that more supposedly has. First of all, more's power. I literally, curse memory because like what does that I loved more in a court of mist and fury like I really did yeah I thought mm-hmm. she was warm I thought she was light I was like yeah we oh, did too my bestie um and then she grabs like the orb or whatever and is like I am the mo-. and I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> you have power like but I sometimes think that at least in the Akatar world um that Sarah does kind of like a weird thing with powers and not so much like I know that taking away the powers is like a conversation but more so, like, not fully even explaining the power. Like, yeah. at one point, Nesta's power is called death. And then during, like, the middle section of the book, it's like, oh, it's because she can, like, wield the trove and, like, bring literally the dead back to life. And, like, maybe that's it. And then another, it's like, she's got flames, like, burning the stair. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm trying to follow. Just make it make in. sense, Sarah. Yeah. But before that <laughs> happens, it's taken away. And I'm like, yeah. well... At- Take right. wars away too, because if you're not going to explain it, make her lose them. I guess I it's like fucking. So. It's like Chekhov's power, but also like yes. <laughs> there's this, that line I think where where Cassian's talking about the blood right, and he's talking about how like one night of the year Illyrians can winnow, and he's like, "Don't ask me to explain the magic because I I don't know." And I'm like, "That is for the whole <laughs> yeah. series. That is this whole series." The self awareness in that line was beautiful. <laughs> can you keep doing that? So at least just be like, girl, I get yeah, it. Totally. Uh, well, Tasia, you were kind of getting into this. So I kind of want to do circle back. Cause one of the stuff, stuff I do like in this book is like this idea of Nesta being like a wolf and like how she doesn't fit. Like she's like born in a cage and like society, like kind of made her be the way that she is because she's like a wounded animal. When you like prod her, like that's how she's going to react. And Tasia, you had a really interesting point in your notes though, about how like Nesta a lot of times is always just kind of like, reacting to like people goading her like yeah well I feel I feel like so everybody I think got a bad taste in their mouth about Nesta and when they first all met her because she you know isn't nice (laughs) well yeah but only to Feyre not to Elaine she coddled Elaine right right that's true 
and and you know she didn't she you know when when she met all the the inner court people you know she wasn't like oh my god she was like the fuck are these people doing here you know she was rude um but and and i think everybody got a bad taste in their mouth regarding nesta and so now i think half the time that nesta is a bitch which you know she is um half the time half the time that she is it's it's her kind of like people are anticipating her to be a piece of shit. So they treat her like a piece of shit. And she in turn doubles that shittiness and throws it back at them. So I think a lot of it is, is like this vicious circle of people being shitty no, to Nesta and from Nesta. I agree. But that's why I'm saying, I wish that people would keep the energy because usually with like people that love Nesta, they like get pissed off at Reese or get pissed off at more. And I'm like, no, like I feel like we should keep the energy. Like the only reason I'm like, didn't like Nesta is her treatment of Feyre. Like I could give a shit less how she treats the inner circle. However, um, I, I think that the inner circle should be able to treat her as bad as she treats. I, and it is a circle, but like, I want the viewers to just kind of look at it as like, well, yeah, they're like, they're just treating each other, how the other one treats them. And like, I feel like in the beginning, the only reason that Reese had like a poor taste in his mouth towards Nesta is because like his mate, his love, and by the way, Farah. The reason I love Farah so much is because I wish I could be like Farah because I react. I'm kind of like vicious a little bit sometimes, but like, um, but I have self awareness about it. Like I don't hate myself for it. I'm just like, uh-huh. sorry, you pissed me off. Um, but with Farah, she, I call her like the Cinderella, which is like, I feel like Cinderella gets like this really like bad view, and I'm like, no, it takes so much more strength to be kind in the face of adversity, and you know, Cassian gets a lot of like keep holding out your hand. I'm like, Sarah's been holding out her hand since page one. Like, so where is her love? Like she deserves so much. And I'm like, I wish I could be like that. I'm not. Yeah. So I yeah. think that like her, her treatment of Pharaoh was the only reason that I'm like, Ugh, girl, like that is gross because you're like her family and y'all are in y'all's twenties. Like get up, do something like your dad is obviously not going to do it. And I agree. He's a piece of shit, but like, you're kind of a piece of shit too. So I always call, um, Farah not just the curse breaker, I call her the generational abuse curse breaker because like, I feel like Nessa would have been neither, maybe not reflective. Well, their kind of situation was a little crummy, but I feel like she would have carried on that abuse. Um, and I know that people get like wicked mad whenever people say that Nessa abused Farah, but that is generational abuse. Like it is treating someone like she was, like whenever Farah was under the mountain, she heard Nesta's voice in her head telling her that she was going to fail. Like that is bad. So like, I just wish that in a court of silver flames, I don't care about any of the, the other characters. I mean, Cassie and her were cute, cute. They were a little (laughs) spicy, but um, (laughs) I just cared about uh, Nesta and Farah. And I like, I love the Valkyrie. I would die for Gwyn. Gwyn's my favorite character. Can't wait to talk about Gwyn. I wanted to see that with Farah and Nesta because there's no reason that they shouldn't. Yeah. There's no reason that they shouldn't mend that relationship to a place and be as close as that, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I do agree with you that that could be a whole other very interesting book and would have been a really interesting way to frame it. I mean, she set herself up as this being the Nessian book. Like it was going to be the Nessian yeah. book. And I do Which think I appreciate. Yeah. And like I I do think one of the things I really like is like, you know, Nesta talks about to you about how like Farah wasn't perfect and she wasn't perfect. And they have things they have to work on. And yeah, I even though I like so much of this book because I just, I love Nessian, like I, I love Cassian. Cassian's like 
my favorite of the bat boys. Like, so this book speaks to me on a lot of levels, but I totally, I see everything that you're saying about how like that would have been a, an interesting way to, and an important way to like kind of deal yeah. with some of her issues. And because of that, that's why I get so mad at how everyone else in this book treats Nesta, because really at the end of the day, it is between Feyre and Nesta. And the last we heard from Feyre in A Court of Frost and Starlight was that she forgave Nesta and she was asking that Reese did the same thing. So it's just really hard for me then to see everyone else in this book just really continue to try to knock Nesta down a peg when it's not really any of their business. And when she really has done a lot to make up for her previous behavior, including killing the King of Highburn, as Feyre says, and also saving Cassian's life. So that's why that just leaves a bad taste for it, just for me, because again, it is between Feyre and Nesta. And then it just comes across as all of the rest of the inner circle just passing judgment and how Nesta is processing through her trauma in a way that just doesn't sit well with me. Um, but I do, to switch gears here, want to take some time to talk about like what really did work for me in terms of Nesta's trauma journey in this book. A lot of Nesta's the, the thoughts that she has like throughout the book, just like, I think are really valuable to read, like, you know, especially like how she thinks about all the priestesses in the library and how they come out and like are finally going to be willing to train. And she's like, you know, I'm asking them to be brave, to work hard, yet I'm not doing the same. And so like, I love those moments of growth for her. I love how she starts in how, and how she really finds herself through them. And yeah, like would have been, it would have been rewarding to read like her coming to those realizations, like via her relationship with Farah. But when her trauma is also so tied up with what you said, generational trauma, um, generational mm-hmm. abuse, like it, it kind of does have to be separate. And so then I do like how she uses the Valkyrie and the priestesses and the training to like navigate through that process. Um, that all, that all, that whole part of it really, really works for me a lot, you know, just, some of them have been here for hundreds of hundreds of years and still haven't been able to come back from what they endured. So what hope do I have? Like, that's super relatable. Like every, and that's what I like about Cassian so much in this book too. And I guess we can start talking about like how they work together sure. is that he has been through a lot of stuff too. And I, I love that he's there for her to be like, whatever you are feeling and however long it takes for you to process this is valid. And we, it, it, everyone is affected in, in different ways by these things. And, and so for him to like see her and to be the only person who sees her and like gives her the permission to like process that on whatever like timeline works for her. I, it really like that a lot. Ugh, I'm soft for Cassian. <laughs> Cassian is, is so good. Cassian is great. The only time that I was a little bit with Cassian is the, the mountain hike scene, which was kind I of like a weird too a weird scene for me anyways. Like I was kind of just like, I feel like we were rushed into that and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, okay. But um, other than that, like, I think Cassian was great. Um, I think the best scene of the entire book was uh, whenever I actually cried, whenever Nesta like asked him to stay and cuddle. I was like, there we go, girl. Like we're making <laughs> some move. Like I could, I felt it in my soul yeah. because I've been that way before. This sounds really cheesy, but the switch from like fucking each other to making love. Like, yes, no, I noticed it. That scene was like, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except they didn't like the time jump, like immediately following, like he went yeah. to the cabin and then it was like, I don't even know, like a couple months or weeks later, I was like, no, <laughs> go yeah. back. Yeah. Um, see, like, I just feel like those parts were missing where it's like, I, I don't know. It just went from like one extreme to another extreme to another extreme with just like a lot of convoluted self-reflection in between it. And like, I, sometimes I feel like, yeah, that's relatable, but that's like not correct. I would not, I would not encourage that kind of process to anyone actually afflicted with uh, what I assessed uh, Nesta's trauma actually was. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's good for her. Um, and like a lot of people say that, well, Cassian did what he did. Yeah. Someone should have stopped him. Like just because someone else did something wrong doesn't mean that like it should give permission for someone else to do something wrong. Like they both should have been stopped early on. And that is the fault of whoever was around Cassian and let him go destroy a village like and Cassian's fault. So like, I don't know. It's a toss up for me because I have to like, remember it's fantasy. I have to remember that. (laughs) And, and that they're not actually in a, like a, this is like psychological warfare, but dumbed down. (laughs) And it's like, um, yeah. no one's going to therapy in this. So like, I kind of yeah. have to like take a step back <laughs> and go, no one, no one's getting professional help here, Yeah, but it's really just book talk that scares me because I'm like, this is like misinformation. <laughs> Don't do that. Do not compare her process yeah. to your in real life process. Right. Please. That's what I had Please. to keep telling myself about that whole mountain hike. Cause I was like, yes. Nesta is literally suicidal right now. And Cassian's like, doing full cold shoulder, like being mean to her and being like, this is what she needs. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. But if that's me on that mountain, yeah. while somebody is like being cruel to me and, and literally punishing me, like even Cassian thinks he's punishing her mm-hmm. um, and I'm suicidal. I'm, I'm walking my ass right off that mountain. Like, yeah, that, that whole you know? scene, it just, it was bad. And people were like, I can't wait for you to read chapter, I don't know, 55 or whatever. It's not chapter 55, but like <laughs> 50, 52 yeah. maybe, yeah. Uh, 47. I don't know. It was in that area. And I read it and I'm like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> Am I supposed to be crying because of how bad it was? Like, yeah. I don't, there the was a end lot of it though. The end of it makes me cry. <laughs> really? Like, like Cassian is so good at the end of it where mm-hmm. he's like, he finally like, she finally breaks down like that part really works for me when he get that's like when well, he gives her that speech where it's like oh you don't need to actually change you just need to work on your shit you know but see that's that's what i hate it <laughs> <laughs> i'm like if y'all don't stop enabling this woman i'm gonna scream like yes she does need to change like she doesn't have to not be bitchy but like right. she i truly believe she needed to change or she just needed to accept that's how that she's going to get treated forever yeah. And if she likes the dish that she's cooking, keep cooking it. But like, if you don't like it, add some different ingredients or make a new dish. Like, I don't, I felt like it was very enabling. And then like him giving his story of what he did. I'm like, now y'all are just trauma dumping on each other. And y'all are bonding by like y'all's unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I'm over here like screeching internally. Like if someone came to me and said like this and this is helping me, I would have to like really go back to square one and go, okay, we're going to have to discuss why this is helping you because it, it can help. It can help you like, Oh, I'm not alone, but this is, that's not change needs to happen. Like That's why you need help. That's why you're getting this book is because there needs to be like some implication of change. And this is your book. 
And I just didn't, I did yeah. not like that scene. I didn't like the beginning because like she was being punished and he was giving her the cold shoulder. And I'm like, what is like a military camp? Like what yeah. is she like hiking? The opposite like, of is helpful. That supposed, yeah. Is that supposed to help her? Like someone have a conversation with this woman. But I think that Cassian was, it was a good conversation, but I don't think it was a healthy conversation. Yeah. If I'm just being honest, I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, Cassie, I love you, but it's funny how you talk about too. It's like, we have to remember these are fantasies and it, yes. that's totally true. But like one of the things, the reason like we have this podcast too, is like, and why we are always drawn to YA fantasy in particular, even though it's technically, we're not a YA fantasy podcast, we're a YA podcast. And, but like mm-hmm. a lot of books like do it really, really well. And like, that's what makes it interesting about this one. Like, is that it, it's like, she kind of like just, and I love, there's so much, we, we wouldn't be here talking about Saturday Mass because we didn't love her, but like, she doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily excel at like some of these things. And I think that like, she kind of took a big swing here and like, didn't quite like land in a lot of ways. And a lot of it works right. really well for me, but like, she's an example of someone that like, compared to, for instance, how like an author like Lee Bardugo deals with like all the crows traumas. It's not like, sure. Yeah. Lee doesn't try to go as far though, either in terms of like healing them all. So like, I, yes, it's true. Like we shouldn't like expect perfection from this. No. Cause I just don't think we're ever going to get this from this author. And that's no. not to say like, we're, <laughs> we're, we're not like, there aren't valuable things to like take away from it. Correct. Like, There's little gems. Yeah. There's gems mm-hmm. yeah. along the way, but, but um, all in all, it's a, it's a romance book right. with like a subpar plot and some gems <laughs> like, the plot is ridiculous. <laughs> that's a, that's what we've been talking about since we started that's this whole Akatar binge is that these are like primarily romance novels right. with yeah, a fantasy setting. Is, the plot is the romance. Yeah, exactly. Can we talk briefly about some of our favorite, favorite romance moments? We do have our swoon section yes. at the end and our superlatives, but like, I just like, I really love them. Like literally from their first interaction in Court of Mr. Fury, I love them. Mm-hmm. But like, I just... Like every little interaction between them in this book, I'm just like trash for them. It's just who I am. There's like, a, this is like a dynamic that I really <laughs> am into. I'm really into like the mean girl and the himbo as like a, mm-hmm. a relationship Don't be dynamic. In yeah, it's yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like that in this book, it's kind of reversed because usually you get the grumpy and the male character and the sunshine and the female character. And I like how that's those roles are kind of reversed in this book. It's like mm-hmm. Zoya and Nikolai, but like yes. extra. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, but I like I just love first of all, I love a nickname. Tasia knows it's about me. So just him calling her Ness every time he does it, I melt. Um yeah. even though she's like, Don't call me that. I'm like, no, no. And just picturing <laughs> Cassie and do that too. I'm like, stop. Yeah. I know. Sir. And the context <laughs> in which he uses that is always mm-hmm. like real yeah. good. Yes. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I really like too, there are like really good subtle moments of like how they're impacting each other. Like for instance, when Gwen comes to training for the first time, Cassian Nessa is starting to feel uncomfortable with like how Gwen is about to talk about some of her trauma and Cassian like jumps in and is like no more chit chat. And he's like purposely deflecting. But then when Emery comes and Cassian's kind of grilling her about like the Lyrian village and things like that, Nessa says enough chit chat. So like they both are kind of like learning and like balancing from each other in a way that's really good. Oh, Cassian imitating her when he talks to Eris. Yeah, like, oh, I love get that, that confidence. I pretended I was you. Like that was great. Um, I do like moments too. This is like very big, like Reese Feyre energy too. Like um, where they go to the prison and she, he goes, "What if my presence would go unnoticed? But yours sets off a trap. We can't risk that." His throat bobbed. I can't risk you. And she goes, "No, you have to. Like, you're training me to be your warrior. Like you have to let me go. Like you." So like that was big Reese Feyre energy, which I liked. Yeah. But, like 
I like, and one of the things we talked about too, when we did all of the main trilogy is like, we love all the friendship stuff with face and like, it just hurts me so much. Like I love their friendship. So when Nesta realizes like, you know, Gwen and Emery, my friends, but I think you are too. And he's like, I've always been your friend. Like she has him do these things with her. Not because like they're, she says, not because we're sharing a bed, but because you're my friend and like, I need my friend here. And so I just like, that's something Sarah does so well is establishing a really strong friendship in these romantic relationships. And I, oh, it's chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And then one of my like favorite moments in the entire book is when that like awful bellious dude comes at the end at the right. And he's like, you think you can beat me in hand to hand combat? And she's like drawing the line in the sand or whatever. And she's like, I do. And then she goes, because my mate taught me well. And I was like, love that like acknowledgement of the mating bond, Mm -hmm. which is really great. And uh, I tell you, you know, they have this really good point about like their fight before like uh, their kidnapped and taken oh, into separated. the right. Yeah. Yeah. Like why she leaves and, and calls them the bond at that point. I just think it's a really good example of like the growth that she's made at this point is that she knows that her first instinct is to lash out um, when she's upset about something or emotions are high um, is to bite. And she doesn't like, she takes a second. No, she doesn't want to do that anymore. So she invokes the bargain to send him away so that she can get a hold of herself. So she doesn't attack him mm-hmm. and hurt him. Yeah. And I think that's a good sign of, of her growth. And I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's fine to take a minute to process your feelings so that you don't hurt somebody before yeah. you open your mouth. I um, agree. I think that's good. I agree with that. She faced the city, the lovely vibrant city. None of it seemed as vibrant as what waited above the climb would be brutal and almost without end, but the top Cassian would be waiting as he had waited for her for years. Now Nesta smiled and began the climb. Just like, kill me. Like it's too much. (laughs) It's too much for me. So I, for being the Nessian book. And like, as we said, this is a romance, the romance works really, really well for me here. Um, I do think it is her. Um, we've talked a lot about how sometimes a lot of the face and sex does not work for us. It's weird. I will ever, forever not love in chapter 55, the painting of the arrow on her stomach, like is very weird to me, yeah. but I actually think she um, does a really good job here. I like the use of like how they use their sexual relationship too, to like how she kind of uses it to process. Like I like, again, I didn't mean to like really draw attention to the blowjob at the dining room table scene, right. but like, I, there like, we go. I like how in <laughs> yeah. that moment though, she like wants to help Cassian, but because she doesn't, she's still learning how to like process and deal with things that she wants to offer him comfort, but she doesn't know how to do that other than sex. And so it's like super hot, but I like that she's trying to help him in like the only way she can at that point. Mm. I just, I, I like how that works. And then, like I said, the switch from them just like fucking each other's brains out like everywhere, um, which is just, that is so funny to me. Can we talk about as, as my the, poor the baby. world's most delighted cock block? Like, oh my God. yeah, <laughs> this is my favorite ass book. Like I love as he's just like a low key yeah, presence in the rest of the books, but he's so funny in this book. He's so funny. Yes. I'm so glad that she made him funny. Every time he talks, I'm like, like their little uh their little sprawl outside where he uses nesta to defeat cassian i'm mm-hmm. like God, like this is why i love you and i love them because he's a torture master and like i'm just like into um characters that like i'm like so i'm simpleton right like i love the dark haired male that's like mm-hmm. Ooh, on the inside but like tortures people on the outside that's all i don't even give a shit what his <laughs> actual personality is i'm like you're sad and you torture people 
Thank you. When I first read this, Azriel was my favorite because yeah. that's just the character type that I am drawn to that like yeah. brooding yeah. dark in the corner. Like that's, you know, torture guy. Yeah. That's, that's my dude. Torture guy. He's down there torturing people to extract mm-hmm. information. And I'm like, Azriel, that's so hot. <laughs> like, yeah. Good for you. Torture honey. daddy. You be a cock <laughs> if you want. You deserve it. And he's having so much fun being a cock block. I love that for him. Yes. I love that for him too. I thought you were the chaperone. I'm not entirely sure I'm enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love him. I really do. Also, Nesta using Asriel, like to get to Cassie. She's talking about, like, oh, I'd rather train with Asriel. Oh, Asriel's so hot. Blah, blah. And Asriel's just sitting there like, <laughs> this is so uncomfortable, but he's probably delighted by it, you know? Yeah. And he's probably thinking in his head, like they are going to bang everywhere after yeah. this conversation. <laughs> like I need to get out of this house. It's not safe for me anymore. I, um, I actually like, I don't really, I didn't really give a lot of thought to like their sexual relationship because I wasn't, I didn't really care. I don't, I don't know how to, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. But like, there was only one scene that I did not feel like it should have happened. And that was just after like the bog scene where she's like still bruised in the bathtub. I thought that that would be a perfect place for SJM to make Cassie and like really say like, no. We're not using yeah. sex to process. We need to have an actual conversation everywhere else. I was fine with it. Cause it made, it kind of made sense. But in that situation, I'm like, yeah, is this incredibly hot? Of course it is. It's, it's freaking Cassie and Nesta, like the kinkiest shitheads in the whole series. But like, until we get as, I book. was going to say until we get yeah. as book. <laughs> no, no. Woo! Okay. Anyway. Um, I, I just felt like, Oh, this is like, this is off putting to me. Like she yeah. is still, wrecked like in bruises and like also was assaulted in the water like sexually assaulted by this creature thing that i just felt like "Ah, maybe not the right time i think that's totally fair to happen but that was the only time every other time i'm like yeah it makes sense i know that totally makes sense oh ass baby I know, little Azrael. Azrael and Nessa's friendship. Yeah. They yes, happen here. Azrael being one of the only people that's that's never like talked shit about Nessa. I, I appreciate um I I like that he kind of takes Cassie inside when they're talking about whether or not to tell her about the the weapons that she's made. I love the gift that he gives her for Solstice, the little reading light, and she I just know. like jumps into his arms and ho- like this man really just does it, doesn't he? God, <laughs> he just he doesn't does. have to say anything. He's like, I'm an action man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you. I don't have to speak. And I'm like, damn right. But then oh, he gives so Cassie good. in a bag of beef jerky because, quote, <laughs> I literally couldn't think of anything else you'd enjoy more. And I love it so much. I know. I literally put in my review, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Sarah knows that I make content for her because she gave this one to me as a present. <laughs> like, I just want it. I know yeah. she did. It's great. It's great ad stuff. And you know what? Okay. We'll talk in a second here. We'll, we'll shift to shipping okay. situation okay. in a second. But Very I, even though that I am not in an LRL shipper, mm-hmm. I really do like that Nesta realizes what Az is feeling at Solstice and with Lucian being there and how mm-hmm. he has to stay outside the room. It's a very, very sweet, tender moment. That said, should we just, should we dive into shipping? Yeah. I'm done. All right. So, I mean, we've talked about it now. We don't have to, we don't have to have a spoiler section anymore, which we've had one the whole way through. Um, but like, I mean, I'm team going real. I am. I am. Yeah. Me too. I am. Okay. Me too. Oh, thank God. Gwynreal rights. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Gwynreal supremacy. 
Yeah. And like no hate towards Elaine, even though I don't really like Elaine, but it's only because I have not seen anything about Elaine for me to like. So um, I actually can base her off the first book because it made sense. Um, But Gwen real, as soon as Gwen appeared on page, I'm like, this is the woman for Asriel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Before I read his chapter or anything, I'm like, this is, this is his mate, right? Or like, maybe not mate, but this is his wife. And there's no way that you're going to have like a light and a dark and not pair them together. There's just no, Please. there's no way you set that up and you don't knock it down. Like, come on. And the way that she, the way this is like what I picked up on, like in the end of the book, Asriel is like really hesitant and he like winces whenever he holds Nyx because it's like a baby is so pure. It's like the epitome of innocence. And Asriel does not feel pure enough to even hold this baby. Um, and then Gwen on the other side of that doesn't wear the little purity stone because she doesn't feel pure. Like she's like, I can't hold or bear something so pure. And I'm like, can you imagine their like friendship first? Because I think it'd be really weird if they did the Nessian thing it, with her backstory. That would be like, it, it would give me the ick. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. It's like just these two gorgeous, beautiful, like amazing friends that love people like so fiercely that for whatever reason don't love themselves because of like some, they literally don't think they're like pure or worthy enough. Like it's a different kind of self-loathing than Nesta had. It's yeah. like, because of the events that have happened to them, they're like sullied and dirty and like da da da. Oh my God. How yeah. can anyone not ship them after yeah. reading this? I just don't know. As I was going through, I mean, so, you know, we've talked a lot about in this podcast and we'll talk about Lucian here in a minute. And like, we're just mostly, mostly team before this book, just, we want Lucian to be happy. Not like in a way yeah. that like Elaine is never happy. We uh, shipping Elaine and Lucian is premised on the fact that Elaine would ultimately be on board. Like, obviously. Yes. Yeah. But, yes. um, but I, even when I was reading this book before the bonus chapter, I was like, am I, am I seeing? Am I seeing, I'm seeing moments here. I'm seeing moments. And then at the end of the day, again, setting aside the bonus chapter, which we can talk about in a second. <laughs> this is such a weird Sarah thing. She always puts us in a weird position. However, this is where we're at. So we have to talk about pelvic bones as like a yeah. thing in this book. Uh, we do, don't we? <laughs> we get a line though. From, <laughs> we get a line from Gwen that was like, my bones are slightly more pliant than ordinary high phase, but who cares about that? Well, apparently like, we all do. Like that means you can have wing babies. <laughs> it is a very <laughs> weird thing to bring up. Yeah, especially for up. her character. Like who's uh-huh. usually like kind of quiet and a little bit like, just so like, I don't know, just to be like, Hey, by the way, I'm like super flexible down there. Right. Anyways, <laughs> that, that matters. I'm like, girl. <laughs> so it's like that. And like Nesta very intentionally being like, I, I fixed myself and I fixed Farah. Didn't fix Lane. So, um, yeah, no, I just think there's just a lot there. And then the bonus chapter too, like it just really kind of cements it. And to me, the bonus chapter kind of felt like throwing Elreal shippers a bone, like yeah. saying, Hey, you're not, you're not making this up. Like it's yeah, there. It's and Tasia and I have said, if they want to bang one out first, yeah, like before they totally move on, we would love to see it. Listen, people gave Asriel so much shit for that. And I'm like, look, I don't even like Elaine. And I certainly yeah. don't like Elaine and Asriel together. Like I just don't see it. Like I get it like death in the fawn aesthetically, but like, I don't see it at all. Yeah. Um, but here's what we know. Like canonically, Elaine is the most beautiful Archeron sister. And from what we know about Farah, she's gorgeous. And what we know about Nesta is that she's sexy as hell. So like to be universally accepted by every character, the prettiest one, she's, she's banging, right? Asriel is canonically the most handsome of the bat boys. Like 
all the females have really kind of almost said that. So it's mm-hmm. like, and and they're both like these timid little creatures almost. And so for him to like be, you know, horny in that little like chapter and people are like, Ooh, who is this? And I'm like, um, apparently a straight male, like looking yeah. at a beautiful woman. <laughs> like, I remember you had this video about that um, on, on your TikTok. So if you guys haven't seen it, go watch it. But I remember it was, you had a TikTok about that, that bonus chapter talking about like, my man's just horny and like, Absolutely. I am so completely on board with everything you said. It is. I mean, he's fucking lonely, dude. He's lonely. He's, lonely and sad. he's looking at his friends. His brothers made it up with these two sisters. Of course he feels like. And Elaine is putting out the vibe. Like, right. Elaine wants it. It's not like he's like creeping up on her and yeah. she's like, ah, get away from me. Like she is putting it out there too. So like, he's not doing anything wrong. They're consenting yeah. to this yeah. behavior. And I also agree with you that like, you know, I think Reese shooting it down that there was nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, I don't think either. so either. Yeah. Lucian was in the house, wasn't he? Yes, he was in the yeah. house. He Shoot was that in the shit house. down immediately. Yeah. 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 No, I, I totally agree. I, and I don't think like some people are like, Azrael thinks he's like deserves Lane. He never says that. Like no. Reese is the one who says that. And I don't get that vibe either. Um. So yeah, no, I'm totally, I mean, like, so even, I don't think that's where it's going for even with Lisa Sagwin, but then like we have Gwen and like it has, that's like, that's, it's very clear to me. You're the new ribbon ass. Come on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That that was it for me. I'm like, sign still delivered. Yeah. And all that was beforehand. So even before solstice, which is when he gives Mm -hmm. her the necklace, it's like you, they like Gwen was going to meet with him to go, go over dagger handling. Like, so they already have like a little friendship going. And then like, I think it's just, you don't give someone a secondhand gift and to like not set, be setting up emotional payoff of that later of like her finally realizing that it was originally meant for Elaine. And and her training outside alone, like at night is such an Asriel move. Like, yeah, I'm sure there was like an appreciation there too. Like, wow, she's like out here still training his shadows, mm-hmm. not telling his him shadows like her. That she's too. there not telling him and then singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the shadows are going real shippers too. Yep. And the fact that she has a beautiful voice, like we know that Nest is like, her voice is literally heaven to my ears. Yeah. Um, and that Asriel like sings, I'm sorry, goodbye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. It's Gwyn real for life. It's there. It's there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's there. And you know, Hey, listen, I have been on the side of things where my ship doesn't work out and I feel for those. I feel for the real shippers. I do. Yeah. But I just like, it's, it's there. And, mm-hmm. and again, I say that as someone who is mostly like, I just want Lucian to be happy. Like, and I want as to be happy. And if either of that's with Elaine before this book, fine. But like, I think yeah. it's, it's just there now, but I mean, let's just talk br- briefly about Gwyn too, because I mean, we sure. uh, Emery's great too, but Gwen, uh, yeah. like her journey in this book, sweet baby angel. Yes, sweet baby angel, protector at all costs. When mm-hmm. she leaves the library after Nesta and Cassian have the fight the night before they're stolen into the right, and everyone's so proud of her. And then I also really love how the next day Cassian comes before they go in, and he's like, "Oh, I can smell Gwen. It's here." But he's like super proud of her for going yeah. and that she did that for Nesta. Um, I just I loved all of that. Like her her hatred for herself, her trauma is awful too. Like I don't want to take the safe road. Like I want to take the one no one dares travel. Like she goes up that mountain. It's not enough to survive. She wants to win. Nesta like, has to literally knock her out in order yeah. to get her to to leave to be safe. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's got such a good spunk. Like oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about like the theories that Tamlin's her dad? I was though? just because... gonna say let's talk about the Gwen theories. 
All right. <laughs> what do y'all think about that? I need to know. A part of me is like dumb, right? Like this to have Tamlin possibly be her father and Lucian possibly be her grandfather. Like, but another part of me is, is big. Like I kind of want this to be true just because the drama, like I want the chaos, the drama of it all. Sure. But yeah, I, I personally, I've talked about this a lot off air and on this podcast. I don't need like more Tamlin. Um, I don't need Tamlin to have a redemption arc. I think be happy. Farah is like a perfect cap on that. And I don't need any more. I don't want to like have him be like a hero ultimately. And I hate the idea of Gwyn being his path to redemption. I just, so for that theory, I don't like that. So, but I, I mean, it makes sense. It does make sense. I, I feel the same way. The, the, the reason that it bothers me is because I don't want Gwyn to be his path to redemption. I think that's cheap. I think it's lame. I think it's dumb. And I'm like, leave Gwyn out of this. Yeah. Um, but it does make sense. I've also seen like one where like Lucian or or one of the uh, Vancera, Vancera brothers is yeah. like the, the father, which I actually think makes more sense because yeah. of the the water nymph that he was like, or the nymph that he was like in love with that his brothers like brutally murdered right in front of him. Yeah. You really forget how much everyone in these books went through. But yeah. Um, yeah, so it makes, I don't know. It makes sense that it's either one of them and then the red hair, but yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about any of it. It just kind of makes me feel like she's like an infant in a way. Like it's like, oh, all yeah. these like established players, like one of them has a child and that child might end up with, like, I know she's a grown adult, but like, I don't know. It just yeah. makes my mind kind of scramble a little bit. I just I'm really like, don't, I don't, I don't need that like at all. And I just hope it doesn't go there. And yeah, I think Gwen has enough to, yeah. to, to deal with and to get a story from that we don't need. Yeah. My papa is the dog of spring court. Like, um, I don't know. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Tamlin. Can we talk about like just Tamlin being a beast for a second? That's a great, a great Nesta moment though. <laughs> Rolling around as a beast. I'm like, crying. <laughs> like we love it. We love a Nesta pointing moment. And so when she points mm-hmm. at him again, I'm like, hell yeah. She said like, she was a coward before when Tamlin came to take Farah and she like yeah. let him take her. She's like, I will not be a coward now. I'm like, fuck yeah, Nesta. Like, Tamlin's trash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just don't want that for Gwen. I don't. I don't need that for her. But I, just, I love her. I love all the Valkyrie stuff too. Yeah, the, the friendship with the house, like it's all great. We don't get a ton of Emery, and you know, one of the things Tej and I have talked a lot about too, because we're always interested in like queer representation in books, is how we don't love the more coming out. Um, story in Aquar, but but she does seem to like plant some seeds here with Emery and more. But then I'm also we're like, is she gonna write a sapphic love story? Like, I don't know. Right. I really don't see that happening. And if it does, I don't uh, trust SJM to do it. <laughs> yeah. In the same way that I don't think that she had like a real foolproof plan for Nesta and Elaine, in the same way that I think she like turned gears with Tamlin a little bit. Um, I think she did the same thing with more. I think yeah. like I don't know that more. I mean, more could have always been bisexual or lesbian or whatever people got from that section. But I don't think that SJM was thinking about that. I think it was more of like, and I just kind of felt like it was weird. I think it was like six pages of monologue of her, like talking about how she's a bisexual. And then I'm like, didn't you literally in the last book say that she's like the Morrigan and you know what say what she says is true. But now you're telling me for like the last 500 years, she's been lying about her own identity. Like, and secondly, like, why is being queer or gay or lesbian or bisexual, um, like, a thing in, like, a um, like a hidden thing 
in a world yeah. of immortals. Like yeah. I don't That's, buy that. That was my point when we talked about it too, especially because like half the high Lords are queer. Right. Like, I'm like, why is this an issue? Yeah. yeah. Is it because your dad's homophobic? Like you're not with him anymore. Like, yeah, I could get that if the dad was weird about it, but like, you're not with him. You're like safe with like the most powerful high Lord and the like strongest posse. Like you can be gay. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I've heard it both ways that it was good and bad representation. I don't really have a, I don't know. Cause I didn't understand it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that Tasia, I think you said in your notes, I'm going to steal it right now is that like, we like, if, if more and Emery is going to be a thing, it's like fine, but it's like, I, I want more for Emery. Like if Emery's happy, I'm happy. Cause I just, I love her. I love all, I love that girl gang. I want to be a part of it. I want a friendship bracelet. I want to sleep over with this money books at the house. Like get, let me in. I'm not going to do the physical part. Like I'm not going <laughs> to <laughs> I will not be meeting you for the workouts, but I will be meeting you for the smutty books. Right. Um, so that stuff was all great. The whole, like, our stories are worth telling. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just going to say, as long as Emery and Moore both end up with women, I'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, if yeah. they end up together, super hot. Like, they're both really hot. So, mm-hmm. you know, go on. Yeah. But as long yeah. as they both end up individually, like, with women, and it's not just, like, this um, let go type of, like, well... They're living Maybe, in secret for the rest like, of this universe. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. I don't like that. Um, but anyways, with Emery, I like they have that line where it says short of the High Lord of Dawn. I'm not certain anyone can handle it in regards to fixing her wings. So we've got Chekhov's wing healer. Let's do it. Let's pull Thiessen yeah. out. Let's have him wait, mm-hmm. heal those wings. And that. uh, that's what I want for Emery. Yeah, me too. I also just, okay. I don't know if you guys felt this way, you know, like when we were reading the, you're reading the book and this is one of my questions for like future books, like Nesta sees this like fourth item in the prison next to the harp or whatever. And we yeah, the find out what it is. Yeah. And so then like, I kind of thought too, maybe like the house was evil. Um, as mm-hmm. I was going through and I was very concerned that it was going to be like the fourth object or something. And then it wasn't, it just, the house was just great. But like, um, I, I love how, like how the house is like trying to show like others who you are down deep, what haunts you that those dark broken pieces, like we're the same as you. So I like, I just, I really love all of that. It's just that whole part of the book just works really well. One thing I don't yeah. love though, and this is like also kind of just my own feeling about how Sarah writes um, like the inner circle and stuff. Like I don't love how Nesta, like they're her sisters in the same way. I don't love like the brother stuff. Like it's just, has always been kind of weird language to me. So I'm like, no, I want you to be close to like with your actual sisters. Like you have mm-hmm. them. They're there. That's what I meant earlier. Whenever yeah. I'm like, I love the Valkyrie thing, but like to call them like sisters, I'm like, no, you yeah. have that. And yeah. there's no reason yeah. that y'all can't be close. Well, like, and this it's, is just your besties. And it's yeah. funny because Nesta has this moment too, where she like cringes about how Farah uses the word family to describe the inner circle. Like her own family was so bad. Like she had to find another mm-hmm. one. And I kind of feel the same way about it. again. Like, it's just a little, it's a, their relationship is close enough that I don't need them to, like, she convinces me without them being like, this is my brother. Like, well, I don't need that language. And so Nesta thinks about how she doesn't need that language. And then, so I don't like how she's just like, my sisters. I'm like, no, they're no, lame inferior sisters. She, she does, she, she does like a whole, like 180 yeah. on a lot of things. An yeah. inconsistency in a Sarah J Mass book. <laughs> unheard of honestly but again we love her we that's yeah. what we love we make fun because we love like we're here we're talking about it for yeah. a long time now i'm obsessed yeah so right <laughs> if anyone's allowed to talk shit it's us we yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i own all of your books multiple times sarah like i've yeah. given you enough money i can talk say my opinions um but right. while we're talking about the sisters though guys 
I like Elaine in this book. Color me surprised. One of the things I've said from the beginning going through this podcast episode is, you know, we've talked about it already. I'm like a big, big Nesta supporter. And I went through this podcast thinking, A, like, let me let me see what people think about Nesta and like, where is that coming from? But B, let me like look at Elaine with more grace than I've been giving her because I don't feel like necessarily everyone always does that for Nesta. And I it's hypocritical of me to not like, give that to Elaine as well. Um, and I like, I kind of liked her more throughout the whole series than I did previously. Although it is still very deeply funny to me where Sarah has Nesta say, maybe you'll finally be interesting. I'm like, Sarah, are you on book talk? Are you on bookstagram? Like, are you reading my DMs? She's gotta be, there's a troll, there's a troll account. She's doing yeah. it. She's yeah. <laughs> but I really liked Elaine in this book. Like there's a lot more to her there. I think I, I really like how she starts to stand up for herself. The way she laughs when Nessa says fuck you is so funny to me. I love it so much. So yeah, I just like, I liked her in this book. I think there are good hints there of her having like a a richer internal life than we've given her credit for. Are y'all wanting her to be a villain or y'all not with that idea? I don't like that idea. I wouldn't hate it. I'm not really into it, but. I feel like it's the only way I would like Elaine. I love villains. <laughs> like, I think they're the most mm-hmm. interesting to read about. And like, when I'm reading a book, I try not to go in like with a critical analysis of it. I'm just like, I'm reading fairy porn. Um, but it's yeah. like, I think that that would be the only way that she would be interesting to me. And I'm just going to be honest because it's like, we have too many, like we have Farah and she's like the nice sister. And then we have Gwen and she's like the nice fluffy one. And then we have Elaine and she's like the nice fluffy one. And I'm like, we have that character. Like, yeah. give me someone else. Give me freaking anyone else. So if she was just like a little, you know, and she could do it too, because Asriel's shadows like disappear around her. So it's not like they can like really spy and know what's going on with her. Um, I think that'd be dope. I think it'd be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And the drama, mm-hmm. the drama of it all. Yeah. I, I think it would be really fun. Although I do think just because again, I'm number one. Lucian supporter and I want him mm-hmm. to be happy and I like want them to be there just because I don't I don't see the vast I see some Vasa stuff but I don't know that there's enough there to like have that be the ultimate ship I have sure. a question about the Lucian Vasa thing so at the solstice party and Nessa's asking him about like oh how are Jurian and Vasa and he's like snapping at each other or like you know at each other's throats like they like to be and he like snaps that answer like it's like it makes him upset or something and I'm just like is that jealousy is he jealous of Jurian and Vasa I want them to be in a thruple. Yeah. I also want them to be banging it out. Like, yeah. Like what a hot, like what a mood. Like uh, th- the idea of like Lucian being with his mate and being happy and like them even like having the dust court or whatever together. Like, I love that. It gives me this real excitement for our little foxy boy. But like at the same time, like what a bold statement to just have three little hotties like in a relationship together. I'm always going to be on team banging it out like all of them. I mean, you know, let him get with his mate eventually, whatever. But in the meantime, you know, man's got to man's got to do what man's got to do. There also is this interesting moment, too, where um, Cassian goes to visit them at their like pleasure palaces, I'm going to call it. But like they're talking about what's his name? The um, the bone carver's brother. Korshai or Koshi. Yeah. Yeah. Cassian clocks how like Gucci. Gucci. I'm sorry. Gucci. Oh, God. <laughs> I need to like mute myself sometimes. <laughs> I was just gonna say Cassian clocks how Lucian like um stares out into the distance like he's focusing on his target. Like 
like he's going to go after him because he's like pissed about what's going on with FASA. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm really willing to go wherever they take me. And this might lead us then, because one of the things I wanted to talk about next is to wrap up here, where the hell this universe is going? Like what is happening? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I know, right? There's got to be something under Ramiel, the mountain, right? They've established yeah. oh, And I did want to bring up, uh, I think Reese says that the island that the prison in, uh, is on was probably probably an eighth court. And I yep. think in the last episode, Corinne and I were talking about like, where's the twilight court, right? Because we've got yeah. like dusk and dawn That's and day. True. Where's the twilight court? And like, does everybody sparkle there? What's going on? So I'm saying prison island, twilight court, it's canon. You did it. Yeah, I agree. But then it's, but that's what I'm saying. Like Lucian and Elaners, cause like, you know, nothing ever grows there and everything's right. dead. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, we got a gardener on standby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. good she is, but like, apparently she's, it's her only personality trait that we know. So it's like, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? And like Lucian is such a sleeper. He is like the most politically set up. I don't even think he understands how, well, of course he does it. Cause he doesn't know who his dad is, but, um, but just like a political ally, like Lucian's the one guy that like has everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think he'd be a great high Lord. And also I just need him to be given like his book one personality back. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like Sarah loves him. Like she wrote him to be like yeah. a great character. So like what is happening? And I, I don't get the hate. I, I don't, I don't think he's pressuring Elaine at all. I hate that take. Me either. Like so mad. He avoids her, like literally avoids her. He's giving her as much space as possible. From what I've seen, it's because he like had a hand in her abduction. Yeah. Well, and I get Mm. that. I get that. But like he didn't, I I know, I know. Well, I, he's Tamlin's victim too. So I'm willing to forgive him a lot of things. I forgive everybody on a lot of things. I'm just like, are you like, are you hot? Yeah. (laughs) Do Do you deserve to be in a couple? I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but like Sarah ended or Sarah did a live right after this book came out. And she said, like, it should be obvious who the next book is about. And like, is it it's about? I mean, I think it's probably more. Yeah, I think more, too, because she's not there the whole time. Yeah. But I'm like, but I'm also like massively uninterested in a more book. But yeah. then the the, the me too. Uh, maybe if it's a novella, but like, but yes, it's like. They also talked about, you know, Eris talked about like the three mountains and then the three sisters. So people are like, Elaine, I'm also massively uninterested. And in the Elaine book, yeah. I just think that we have like enough. I get it though. It'd be like a book for each sister or whatever. Huh? But like, at least I didn't like Nesta, but at least like that is a good enough reason to read the book. Like uh, she's present enough and she does yeah. enough for me to have an opinion on her. And yeah. it's like, Elaine, I'm like, I'm not interested. I forget Elaine exists when she's not on page. So like, yeah. I don't need a whole book from her. I We have Asriel. We have um, uh, Gwen's story. I mean, we have all these characters yeah. set up. The only thing that would interest me about an Elaine book is Lucian. Yeah. And sure. that's, that's sad. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. but it's really true. Also, though, when it, you mentioned Eris, we didn't really talk about it yet, but like one sure. thing that would make me interested in a more book sooner rather than later is to get more of what's the going Aris on with Eris. Yeah. yeah. Yep. True, what happened true. there? <laughs> Although <laughs> I saw someone online like post something about how it was like the superior of Sarah. I was like, okay, everyone, we need <laughs> whoa, to whoa, take whoa, a whoa, step yeah. back. You said Eris was the superior? Yeah. No way, Lucian. Lucian's number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, no, but I'm really interested to see more. Like, there's obviously something more going on with Eris there. So if we get that in the more book, it would be really interesting. Sure. 
there's a lot. I do think it is going to be more if it, that, I guess it seems like the, the most logical, logical step there. I also think too, we have to pay attention to this like high King idea, which Aaron oh, yeah. quotes. Yeah. When we did Mist and Fury, our friend Jesse pointed out how Tamlin like says that too. He's like, these two, they're going to become like, you think Reese isn't like angling for High King. And now he has Pharaoh who has like all these powers, like blah, blah. So like the seeds have been planted. Yeah. I do love Reese in that moment though. Like he thinks about like how his power is there to do good and like not to rule. And like, those are Reese moments that I love. And so I I liked reading some of that here. I love that too. And I also like, don't like, lest we forget Elaine can wield all the trove as well. Yeah. Like she's, she's cauldron made. And so like, I just think that like with Coochie and (laughs) with Elaine and with Grayson and with Lucian and with, you know, Eric, there's so many things that can happen that it's just like, no, it's not obvious. Sarah help us. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's too many things. Oh man. Any other major thoughts we didn't talk about? I mean, just brief shouts to Helion and the Pegasus. What a flex from yeah. my guy. Helion, golly. I need more Helion like, all the time, Always. everywhere. Yeah. I'm so scared for the future because a part of me thinks that Helion is going to die when, um, you know, Lucian is going to find out that Helion's his father and then Helion's going to die before they can have like any kind of bonding. And then Lucian is going to end up taking over the decor or whatever. I don't want that. So really bumming me out yeah. because I do really, really love Helion. Oh, well, speaking of that, the book that I really want to is a prequel of Helion and uh, Lady Otto. Oh, like, yeah, I that would be good. What that story. I so would much, read the shit out of that. Me too. I'd be like, oh, my God, my new favorite ship. Also, just you know, we got we talked a little briefly about Nyx, but like Nyx was just worth all this drama, wasn't he? Just so freaking cute. I've read some like fan fiction now too, where he just like starts to fly around and it like makes my heart oh. melt. Um, you know, we we Tasia and I were kind of down on the the idea of like again, we still don't like Cross and Starlight, but like jumping into having a family for like our own personal yeah. reasons, like whatever. She's 21. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't like that either. I felt like this is what I felt like happened. I'm so down with all of them eventually having their little 100%. fat babies and like so cute. Um, I didn't like it because I felt like it was kind of shoehorned that, well, Nesta is only doing these things and only the one that like people want because Favra at the moment is pregnant because mm. a pregnant women can do things. Right. Yeah. B um, I felt like it kind of like it cut Nesta a little bit. Like, well, we're only asking you because like Farrah would totally do it, but she's like, pregnant at the moment right. and so you're our next it's like i don't know it kind of felt like ugh. she had to sideline recent favor they're too powerful and like this is the way she did it and it just like wasn't the way i would have wanted but like now yeah. that nix is here give me all the content of them like yeah true i'm like you guys are i mean reese is the most powerful high lord in history Farah is his high lady yeah you've got more who can do something maybe um all these all these massively powerful people and you can't figure out a fucking c-section like please yeah no 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 i can't actually deal with that it's so dumb we're talking about lactic acid in this book but we can't do (laughs) c-section no and like i'm like there's a t there's a birth control plan bt and like there's i just like what i don't know and i also like, and I know we, I, I won't spend too much time on it. I know people like give Reese a lot of hate for like not telling Farah. Uh, I have a husband and I agree that he should have told her, but I actually do. I don't think I would tell my husband like right away. I think I would look for an answer and and, and yeah. not like stress out my pregnant partner first. 
But eventually, I just didn't like whenever, I know y'all said y'all liked it. I did not like whenever Nesta told Farah. I was like, yeah, they're keeping a secret from you that you can wield God weapons, but you're literally keeping a secret that your sister's yeah. going to die. I just felt like everybody was a hypocrite. Like, yeah, everyone was. Yeah. I'm mad at Nesta in the first place for keeping that secret. She never should yeah. have agreed yeah. to keep it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm like, well, you told her, but it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't because you're like, I feel so bad for keeping the secret. Yeah. She's yeah. like, your friends are shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have softened on Reese keeping that from her just because like I said, he is so upset and I'm upset when he's upset. And like, it is yeah. kind of on brand for him to like try to shoulder things himself, but like mm-hmm. fair gives him shit for it. Like that's all that I needed. I, not all that I need. I would have liked to see that. I would have yeah. liked that to be their bonus chapter versus what we get. Yes. Her reaming him out. And I, I also like to, we do get moments where like Farrah like says, you're not going to let me like, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like I love when she calls him on his shit. Like it's great. Yeah, me too. Reese being rightfully put in his place is like great because he's not perfect, and he is. He right. says he has this like cocky swagger sometimes. So like getting him knocked down a peg is always enjoyable, um, especially when it comes from Feyre, because that's what I like about their relationship. Like that's the foundation of their relationship mm-hmm. too. Is like her them pushing each other and yeah, I love them. Uh, me too. Uh, golly, okay. So (laughs) any other big things we want to talk about? Otherwise we'll wrap up with some superlatives here. Okay. So we have the superlative section here with our uh, favorite things from this book. Kevin, do you have, do you have? Well, I don't have a favorite. I don't have a favorite quote, but I have like a favorite part that I believed was the hottest, best, absolutely do it again part of the book. And that was whatever, out of all the spice, out of all the smut, the hottest scene in the book and my favorite scene of the book is whenever Cassian interrupts that freaking dance. Yes. Yes. Oh, I was like, Cassian, stop. I'm supposed to like Asriel the most. <laughs> <laughs> it It's super, super, super hot. And I have a, a follow-up to that and soon, but like, mm, hmm mm-hmm. I love, I, again, I don't like jealousy in real life. Give it to me in these fictional contexts. Yes. Like yes. it works for me. That's why I always think it's so funny when people are like, you can't read dark romance or you can't read because that means you're condoning. I'm not condoning shit, bitch. Yeah, no. I I, I have the mental capacity to separate fiction from real life. Correct. That's that's something I get with the darkling all the time. And they're like, so you condone. I'm about to just start saying yes. I'm I'm about to be like, yeah, I condone it. (laughs) Get away. Uh, (laughs) I'm just waiting for somebody to come collar me right now. Yeah, gosh. (laughs) Right. Oh gosh. Um, Tasia, do you want to go rapid fire with her favorite quotes here back and forth? Uh, yes. What's her business here? Nessa gave him a secret of smile. Witchcraft. I have keep reaching out your hand. I think it's just a nice refrain. Um, we both have this. I'm going to steal because you have the full quote of it. Cause this is my actual favorite quote of the book. The book Nesta said a bit breathlessly is about her nostrils flared and her eyes went a bit unfocused. A book. Interesting. Cassie. Remember, it sounds great. Oh, <laughs> this sounds great is what kills me. Like, <laughs> yeah, sounds really good. I love it. Doesn't count when you use your hands to do most of the work. Nesta spilled her face into utter disdain, even as a hiss rose inside her. I bet that isn't what you've been telling yourself at night. Azriel's shoulders shook with silent laughter as Cassian set down his fork, his eyes gleaming with challenge. Like it. I love like it a lot. I just like that Azriel's there for like their banter, and he's just like, "Yeah, it's fine. It's I'm here." Yeah. He's just eating his food. Like, um, related to that, <laughs> just another funny Azriel moment. 
did something happen that I, as your chaperone, should know about? <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I really do. I love him. Change uh, more. Oh, here we go. More Asriel. Uh, so this is when Asriel has done his best cock blocking and uh, uh, Cassian's just like, for why? And Asriel's like, you let her suck your cock in the middle of the dining room at a table I'm currently using to eat my dinner. I'd say that entitles me to an opinion. Amen. True. He's right. He should say it. Amen. Um, fucking bitches. One of the males roared. Oh, shut up. Emery bellowed across the ravine, helping Nesta lead Gwen into the snowy trees. Their breasts puffing out before them. Find something new to call us. And like, just retweet Emery. re fucking yeah. tweet. Love her for that one. Yeah. The back of her throat ached. Her eyes stung. We're in a book. Gwen's fingers slid into hers, squeezing tight. Nesta looked up to find her holding Emery's free hand as well. Gwen smiled again, her eyes bright. Our stories are worth telling. Oh, I love it. God, Gwen is really just that bitch. She, I love that. <laughs> she is. I would die um, for her. <laughs> I'm yeah, honestly. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm gonna take it back to another kind of smutty funny moment. Nesta hid her smile. She loved this when the three of them ganged up on him like lionesses around a very muscled, very attractive carcass. And that's what I, <laughs> I do love. Like the we didn't talk about it, but like how they all how the Valkyrie all act with Cassian is really great and then I love when they get taken into the right he thinks like Nessa and her friends his friends like would be okay he trained them because I I love I love that they're his friends too they are yeah and it's great so we'll talk about favorite character and arc okay so Tasia who's your favorite character um the house (laughs) that's my mate it's a tie between Cassian, Nessa, Gwen, Emery, and the house. Honestly, it's it's all of them. David? My favorite character is Azriel, forever, always, from the moment I met him. Um, but my favorite arc, I don't know, probably, I don't know, come back to me for the arc. I don't know. I have to think about it. We've talked about it a lot. So. Yeah. Uh, my favorite character is Cassian, just because I love him, and he's so good in this book, minus making Nessa go on that hike, which was ill-advised. Um but I generally just really love everything about him, the way he wears his heart on his sleeve, both as and Reese like to say that time at certain points, like he's just, mm-hmm. he's, he, he's, good he's so supportive. He's a good boy. Um, I, I just really, I really like him. Okay. So arc, I'm going to say Nesta because it was her book. And I ultimately do love a lot of the stops along the way, but like major props to Gwen because yeah, Gwen. her journey. Great. Yeah. It's good stuff. All right, cool. A beautiful, beautiful girl. Anyways. Okay. All right, swoon moment. I'm gonna go first because uh, Kevin, you already talked about like one part of it that like I totally love. But it, for me, the dance is great. But it's also Cassian taking secret dance lessons with more. It's so cute. <laughs> it just it's makes me much. want to die. <laughs> so good. Um, I, this is what my notes actually say: Cassian taking secret dance lessons with more turns me into a big ol puddle of mush. I actually just typed up ol ol mm-hmm. in the notes. Tasia. Nesta didn't, couldn't move as Cassie leaned in to whisper in her ear. The first time I saw that look on your face, you were still human, still human. And I nearly went to my knees before you. His breath crossed the shell of her ear and she couldn't stop her eyes from fluttering shut. His smile brushed against her temple. Your power is a song and one I've waited a very, very long time to hear, Nesta. I love that. I feel like he uses her name with such intentional, like, it's just very good. Kevin, do you have other spoon moments or is that you stick with the dance? Uh, yeah. I mean the, the, the dance, but like, also this isn't going to make sense, but like the part that I swoon, like, Ooh, because it was not a romantic scene is whenever Nesta comes out with the head of 
the, the Kelpie and has like the army around her. Yeah. That's a moment where I thought Badass. maybe I'm in love with her. That's, yeah. that's hot. That's hot but shit. I like her, but that's hot yeah. girl shit right there. Yeah, it Wish is. We got more of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and like at the end too, in the past, like those are real, real good. And I love that ultimately mm-hmm. she gets, um, when <laughs> Farrah finally paints painting of her, it's her at the past, which is great. Yep. Let's see here. So I talked, we've talked a lot about how like chapter 54 is actually my favorite chapter of Acromath, not 55. Me too. So it's just, it's beautiful. So, and I read it, reread it constantly. The chapter that I reread most in this book is the solstice chapter between Cassian mm-hmm. and Asta. Oh, it's such a good chapter. Like her breakdown, him giving her the music box, her thinking she doesn't deserve him, him. And they're finally like promising to each other. Like, you're not going to marry Eris. He said roughly, no, she breathed. His eyes blazed. There will be no one else for either of us. Yes, she whispered. Ever, he promised. Nestle laid a hand on his muscled chest, letting the thunderous beating of her heart beneath echo into her palm. Let it travel down her arm into her own chest, her own heart. Ever, she swore. It's just like... Yeah, that's 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 that sappy shit that I like. Yeah, no. mm-hmm. that's it right there. Give it to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like the equivalent of chapter fifty-four for me from this book, and I it just is. it really, I really love it. Teja, you have more here. Yeah, Nesta had loved Cassian since she'd first laid eyes on him. Had loved him even when she did not want to, even when she had been swallowed by despair and fear and hatred. Had loved him and destroyed herself because she didn't believe she deserved him because he was all that was good and brave and kind. And she loved him. She loved him. She loved him. Oh, it's so cute. Um, this is my last one. This scene is actually like low key hot too, where she scries and she's like super cold, and Cassian like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I love that. Her. Comes in is warm. Yeah. Um, But uh, she turned her head so slowly. It was like watching a puppet move. Her eyes met his death watched him, but death had walked beside him every day of his life. So Cassian stroked his thumb along her palm and said, hello, Ness. It's just like, it's it's hot shit. It is hot shit. Like he just gets her. He's, he's not afraid of it. Like he talks about like how he's just never really been afraid of her and it's great. Um, So that that's my last one too. Although again, we already talked about it, but friendship swoon for me is as giving us to, the fae reading light yeah i just really love that super sweet yeah he like really knows her and they don't have to have like a chatty type of Mm -hmm. they just get each other i think yeah and i feel like that's another thing that sets up like the potential or the future gwen real stuff is that gwen is nessa's best friend as is Cassian's best friend, like double date potential guys elaine is her actual sister like there's a lot of drama for for yeah. Nesta to get thrown in there. It's going to be fun. Gosh. Okay. Like I know we, we talked a lot about things and I kind of like changed my mind on some things here. Actually, it was like super good conversation. I do think in so many ways, like this is my favorite of the Akatar books, mainly because I love sure. Kathy and Nesta so much. And I think it's the best written despite like plot choices. I think her writing is really good in this book. Um, and it just really worked for me. It's, it's like always neck and neck for math in this book for yeah. me and I just I really liked it and I just I kind of want more in this world I guess I'll make do with Crescent City um next year but yeah I heard it's going to be like years before we get another Akatar book so Sarah's starving the people once again but yeah. what are you gonna do good thing there's um ebooks and uh my highlighting to return to whenever mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to and I can just um stay with my fave friends because this this the series is really special. You know, we've torn into yeah. it a little bit here today and like across the board, but like what, what is so good about this book? These books are, it, it's just so compelling. Like they've all like right. on their way into our hearts and this group of 
friends, despite us like shitting on them sometimes is really important to all of us. And Mm -hmm. it's been really fun to like go through it. And like, anytime we're mad at them, it's because we just like love them unless you're like more. And then I just don't really care about (laughs) 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 more slander. (laughs) But like generally, like I say that I, I, she can make me care about anyone, I think. And I look forward to her. She has the power that um for me in future books here and this is the last episode on our binge and it's been super fun and throne of glass next tasia yeah tasia's never read throne of glass but i have and i've only i've only read the first three so okay Uh, i i like it more than than actor in some way like actor is the best romance ever but like it's a better series i think overall sure it's it's so good so but it's quite an uh, it would be quite a commitment for us to do that here but um yeah no this was just it was really fun yeah. Kevin, thank you so much for joining Thanks. us this is super fun um we love debating it's like great yeah, yeah. So. i felt like it was good i understood all y'all's points and I, like i said i don't i don't hate nesta i just think yeah. that like everybody should keep the same energy with everybody like yeah, and yeah. vice versa and the other way around like if everybody could just let everybody be a dick when they're going to be a dick or be a bitch when they're going to be a bitch or be nice when they're going to be nice. I think it'd be a better world. And until then, I'm just going to create scenarios myself and film them. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of your TikToks, please let our listeners know where they can find you on TikTok. What, uh, what's my name? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, at Caven books at Caven underscore books. I just do a lot of Akatar skits and then a lot of like just me chaotically ranting about things. We love it. It's great. Oh, I thank y'all so much. I'm on Instagram at Rin underscore reads. Tasia? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Ragey Cakes. And TikTok, but I'm not really <laughs> doing a lot over there. Tasia has one very viral TikTok that has how many like views and likes? Like millions. Like 1.7 million or something. Yes. No, what, what was it of? It was just a stitch. Somebody did like, what's a movie that made you cry more than anything else? And I put a clip from uh, A Little Princess. Oh, like where she runs in the rain. Papa. She's like, Papa. Yeah. And apparently that (laughs) resonated. Yeah. It resonated with a lot of people. I feel that way. Definitely. Yeah. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at ActuAge. You can choose an email if you'd like at ActuAgePod at gmail.com. And if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, get us up in those search ratings. We would greatly appreciate it. Tasia, would you like to tell everyone what we are doing next now that the binge is over? So we're going to have a bonus episode next week uh, before we go back to our every two weeks thing. And we are going to be interviewing Morgan Vega about her YA debut, Sleeping Around. And then after that, if you are just looking forward and planning your library schedule, et cetera, we are going to be diving back into YA Contemporary, taking a little break from the fantasy series here for a minute. And we are going to cover, what is the actual name of the book? Simon versus Homo Sapiens Agenda? Yes, by Becky Albertalli. And we're also going to be watching the movie version of that, Love, Simon, and talking about both of them here before we inevitably dive back into another series this fall. So like, stay tuned. So to see what that's going to be, but that's it for us now. Again, Kevin, thank you so much. This was so thank much you fun. So much. Yeah. Thank you. And I will see y'all uh, next week. Bye. 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 Bye.